This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. If you visit Detroit, if you are from Detroit, or if you live in Detroit, you never knew all this culture was alive and thriving here. This is the Detroit is Different Festival. October 24th through October 27th, join us at the inaugural Detroit is Different Festival at the Andy Arts, 3000 Finkel Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, 48238. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com different.com and get your tickets today. You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast on the Detroit is different podcast network.
Welcome back to the Piper Carter Podcast. You're here with Piper Carter and the token millennial. What's up, Brittany? Peace, Piper. What's up? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, DJ Peace Pipe. Hilarious. Yes, I will be DJing at our Detroit is Different Festival on October the 26th for I'm the Rapper, She's the DJ. I'm excited about that. What about you? I'm really excited. You've been practicing your spins? No, that's what I'm be doing all week. All right. But I'm not going to be spinning. I'm going to be um, playing music. That's more important. <laughs> you got to keep it lit. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm going to keep it lit. And the, the good thing is um, I got a chance to interview Idea, who's our headliner. Yay! And um, so that podcast was episode 65. Yep. That was up, you know, this past week. And so this one is 66. And um, guess what? What's up? We have in the studio with us two performers that are going to be on a show that's coming up next week on the 21st and it's an immigration conference wow very excited about that very excited that we get a chance to participate in this immigration conference Mm -hmm. and that they're doing one and then very excited that um these artists said yes Mm -hmm. because they're very amazing and they've been making the rounds um in detroit and michigan and everywhere else and so um i've been talking for a long time so i'm going to bring them in and um, so Tazine has her own podcast and is her own amazing human by her own right. <laughs> and cool. um, she found her husband outside in his car and then asked huh. him to come inside and get on the mic. I'm just kidding. True story. But, um, <laughs> but um, collectively, they're Lufuki, right? Uh, wow, like yeah. That. So tell us about all of this that y'all got going on there. And... Um, yeah, tell us about your music that you're doing right now. And it's a pleasure to meet you both. Thanks for having me. Pleasure yeah, to meet peace. you both. I appreciate it. Let's just start with, you know, so that while people are listening, they can also go onto yeah. all of your social media and check out, like, what you're doing as they okay. listen to this. Yeah, so we are a collective of musicians that do Afro Spirit jazz music. Mm. And uh, we're both guitarists. And we have... Our larger band, which is Lou Fuki and Divine Providence, my partner here goes by Lou Fuki. And then when we do our acoustics, that's the two of us, um, Lou Fuki and Tazine, we call it Love and Light. Okay. So it's more of a like an intimate vibe, getting to know who we are at a more intimate level. So we've got that going on. He's also, you, you have another band, like an acoustic band that's yeah. mostly stringed instruments. Um. And we, you know, we love music. We love doing organizing work around music. The podcast that I do is Digging Deeper, and it's talking to artists about activism and spirituality and and what does it mean to be an activist and an artist in the same right. So a lot of things going on in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and where can people, you know, check out your podcast, your music? Mm -hmm. So the podcast is on Instagram. So if you uh, look up at Tazine, T-A-Z-E-E-N dot A-Y-U-B, um, it's there. And then you can have the link to that to the website and uh, old videos on YouTube and so on and so forth. And then we have our Instagram for the band, which is Lufuki, L-U-F-U-K-I dot Divine Providence. That's also on Instagram. So cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to shout you out because you had me on your podcast last year. I and did. I was so honored and such a good platform. And I really appreciate being able to be on it there. It was a good one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, it felt good yeah. to me. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Just by looking at it, it was kind of cool how intimate it was. You guys kind of like bonding together. It was mm-hmm. like good face shot, good lighting. Yeah. 
And it was just like a good organic vibe. I loved it. Okay. Just, just looking at it, I mean, I it's have to listen like to it. It's just like an organic conversation between two people. And then when you're physically sitting really close That's to each super other, cool. it's like... A different feel to it. Do you do all of them like that? They're all That's like cool. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I get people who come and they're kind of like sitting a foot away from me. And I'm like, no, we're going to be close. Yeah. <laughs> I have a yeah. question about that. How did you come up with that? This is her partner. Blue <laughs> you notice how she said partner instead of husband? We have a... We don't believe in husband. My bad, my bad, my bad. <laughs> no big deal. But how did you come up with... I'm questioning you now. How did you come up with the idea of sitting next to someone and just being... Open. I think it's just there's so many people that I had had so many really dope artists that I had just had conversations with that were really interesting. And I was like, you know what? This would be really awesome if it was live and we were actually having this conversation with other people and you got to listen into it and and input it. That's why I like doing it on Instagram live because people can comment and then we're having this dialogue back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Thanks for that. So then, um, so tell us about the music that you're doing now, you know, your performances and right. recordings and stuff. Well, actually, we're taking a step back a little bit from performing because we have this large volume of work that we're trying to get down. Right. We're trying to um, compose it and record it. So in order to do that, we just have to stop playing in places because um, mm-hmm. we actually wanted to uh, take a break in the spring, but we just kept getting phone calls. It was like, oh, should we take it? So we took the shows, but now we're actually taking a conscious step back just to, um, you know, recalibrate our our attentions and, you know, why we got in it so we won't get lost and just doing music, you know. And recording the music. Yeah. Because it's not just about the gigging. It's about the process of a group of people coming together and just creating together and sharing sharing that space together. So you don't want to get lost and just, you know gigs and stuff like that it's cool you know but you don't want to lose focus i don't want to lose focus while i got into music can you guys talk about like the process of getting to the gig what comes before that so people can kind of get the imagery on why doing Mm. gigs is so you know and i don't want to use the word draining because that sounds negative but it i'm sure it 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 takes a lot yeah it does i mean there's the whole process of setting it up so whoever is booking that gig for you and then negotiating all the details for that gig um, and then before that, of course, the band has to get together and rehearse at least once or twice in advance, figuring out what we're going to do, depending on how long the gig is. And then packing, uh, really the biggest thing is like packing up everything, mm-hmm. taking it there, setting it, it all up, breaking it down afterwards. And then when you're at a gig, making sure that whoever the sound engineer is, is doing their job and that you get the sound that you want. Because if you go there, there have been gigs that we've gone to and like, the sound quality just wasn't good. And then you feel like it just doesn't give justice to the it's music. It's the most frustrating part of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you want people to have that experience. Like, it's not just it's not just entertainment. It's an actual experience, experience. that we're having together. Yeah, and we try to, like, um, set the stage as far as uh, creating a space, you know. Mm-hmm. So we come with the intention, but also we wanted to create a space where this is, when you step on the stage, this is like holy ground. Yeah, you know, sacred so like, you like put lights up. The rugs incense. are there, lights, incense, all of that, and then we start with a breathing exercise, and then it sets the tone, and then when you, and then at that point you've now stepped into the space together with not just the 
the performers, but the audience as like one collective group. I love that. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. dope. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. So then tell us about the music you're recording now. Can you, or, or is that like, no, I don't want to talk about that right now. Well, it's, it's more, um, so if you listen to our first album, um, how it takes off from there, it's more of like a, um, a, a journey into a sound space. What I mean by that, um, there's a lot of room, for, um, you might say empty space, but it's a lot of room for if the energy is high, then there would be room to contemplate over that or take a break from and extend that that um, that feeling that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, one song that I can um, probably point to is on a um, in a Horizons album is uh, the Return, how it has its valleys and peaks, things like that. Mm-hmm. So we want to keep it um, high energy, but at the same time, um, leave room for contemplation on what's being done. Mm-hmm. I would describe it as um, uh, like emotional storytelling through sound. Mm. That's what I would say. Because there's points where you feel really reflective. There's points where you feel really energized. And there's points in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's it's reflective of all the range of emotions that you have going through life. Mm. So the next album is... Digging deeper, haha, plug, yeah. um, into that idea of, mm. of creating like this expansive sound space where you get engulfed and lost in it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so this is, so thank you for that. And then um, the music that you're going to do at the Conference. performance yeah. coming up, what music is that going to be? That is, so that's a piece that the two of us wrote together before it was the first piece we wrote together a few years before we had gotten married. And, um, so it's, uh, it's called luster and it is, the music is what he wrote and the lyrics were a poem that I wrote that um, back up. This to actually a song that he stole from me. How hilarious. <laughs> I was like, wait, pl- wait, play that one more time. I, I got some words to it. Yeah, I was That's like, cool. this, this is supposed to be a uh, instrument. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it's so that piece is we come from a, a Sufi Muslim background, and one of the things within the Sufi tradition is erotic or sensual poetry, and that type of poetry is supposed to be uh, using physical love in this world as a metaphor for this um, greater transcendent love with the divine power, and so the song is um, in the perspective of the divine calling out to the lovers who are seeking and who see these signs and who are attracted to this greater being and are trying to transcend this physical world. Mm-hmm. But it's done through the metaphor of a physical love of two people lusting after each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so with, thank you for that. Yeah. And so with that, um, this within, I think about that within the context of this conference, because right. um, the conference is going to be, focused on um, some policy, mm-hmm. um, some, I mean, I don't want to say moral issues, right. but, you know, human issues. Right. Um, and then just really looking at, you know, what are all the aspects of, you know, people who, um, whose origin, I mean, no one's origin, you know, is a straight line, 
But, you know, people who, um, you know, have origins recently, mm-hmm. right, that have, um, that are being demonized, right, right or weaponized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think about what you just said about, you know, just calling out into the universe, right. you know, um, I think that's something that's going to be super necessary. So the con- yeah. so the conference organizers reached out to me because they were like, oh, you know, we heard about that you have all, you know, c- connections with like all these women yeah. and women artists. And can you get us some, you know, some women, you know, to perform and things. And they were really open, you know, like they didn't tell me like, you know, I'm looking for this or I'm looking right. for that. You know, um, I asked them a whole bunch of questions about what they were looking for. And they were like, you know, we just want good art. Mm. We just want to have like really good art. We're going to have a lot of serious, deep um, conversations. And, you know, there's a lot of different types of people, a lot of policy people, a lot of Mm. political people, a lot of different people that'll be here. And so we want to start in the mornings and have it be, you know, um, you know, light and happy and right, right. this kind of thing. And um, what do you think? And so uh, I thought about all the artists that I'm connected to and I thought, mm-hmm. oh, let me, you know, bring in artists who uh, could speak to, you know, being like second, like first or second generation. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Because uh, like, it's hard to say like, because all of us are like from here you know, right. and not from here at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, just, it's like home and not works. home. Yeah. Like, where is home? Yeah, and like all of us, like any one of us has that, right? Right. But within the context of like specifically the political idea of immigration, mm. because humans migrate, like that's how, that's what humans yeah. do. Like yeah. we move around, right? Some yeah, of us are more too. nomadic than right. others. Mm. Right. So the idea that we even have to like, you know, talk about immigration in this yeah. sort of way that it's like, what are these people doing? Like trying yeah. to leave where they're from. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. when every, you know, there's a whole industry based on like getting on a plane or a boat or oh, a train or like, right? And or, going someplace else. I was going to say from the simplest <laughs> form of saying, I'm going to move from Detroit to West Bloomfield. Right, like, right. It's that from that from that standpoint. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're right. And, 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 and the, the idea of privilege, right? Around... You know who, quote unquote, has the right to mm. like leave or right, like move right. or like be here or this kind of thing like yes. that's super interesting. And what labels come with that? Yeah, like, and what who's labels an come with that versus who's an expat? Yeah, expat. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And so there's all of that. But within all of that, you know, I just thought about all the artists that I'm connected to. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I know some amazing artists, but I want for this reason people who could like really intimately speak to that right so that made me think of the three of the three of you yeah you know um and no, well i'll just it. give it, you out. oh yeah of course yeah. like you're super awesome i'm always trying to find ways to like incorporate you guys and stuff um so i'll just read really quickly um maybe not all of this but some of this so and the title is very interesting why they named it this i don't know but it's called the national immigration integration conference and it's for 2019 and it is october 20th to the 22nd in detroit michigan and it's at um what's called the tcf center um 
And they have a sort of like a tagline. It's called New American Dreams, Solidarity, Strength, and Transformation. All those words are really interesting wow. to me. That's a lot of words. Um, and there's way more words like down here, but um, I'll just read it like super briefly. They're going to do a presidential forum on economic and immigrant and racial justice. And the forum is free and open to the public. And well, okay. So the Cobo center is downtown Detroit. You know, uh, people in Detroit will know where the Cobo center is. It's a huge, massive place where lots of conferences take place. And so, um, you know, we're 2020, is a pivotal moment because of, you know, the elections, but also because of the census. And so there's a lot of issues around all of that. And on this show, we always talk about immigration. We always talking about the census. We always talking about being black and Muslim. We're always talking about our hip hop. Like we're always talking about all this stuff here. So this is like super cool. You guys are all of that. Um, And then, yeah. So I think, this audience is going to be pleasantly entertained by you guys and what you bring. And I, I think so. what you're, Thank you. what you're bringing is um, and the music very is, relevant. Uh, it's in that particular song that we're going to be doing that day is in Arabic and English and Arabic. Mm. So and that's cool too. Yeah. So some language justice, yeah. people will get a chance. And it's interesting, it's right? English coming from a Pakistani lady and a African American. Oh my God, it's so interesting. <laughs> uh, we had, just side note, we, you know, we all do a lot of racial justice work. We had this Black to, to Just Transition Assembly. When was that, Brittany? Was it Mar- March? Yeah. Around March, right? I can't remember. Around March, right? Yeah. It, at um, Cass Commons. And it's through a it was- group called, you know, um, Grassroots Global Justice that I, that we're a part of, you know, East Michigan Environmental Action Council. Mm-hmm. And so all these different black um, environmental justice. Mm-hmm. Well, it was also through Climate Justice Alliance. Okay. So there's, so it's a multiracial, multinational, multiethnic, multi-country wow. organization. like it already. Of folks who do like, you know, mostly environmental mm-hmm. and climate justice, but... All of us are, you know, so-called marginalized people, right? right? right. Okay, so there's that. And then, so within that, you know, we had had many, 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 we, like the larger we, had many conversations about how to do all this better. Mm. And so what came out of that is that, yeah, we got to deal with the anti-blackness within the so-called, like, people of color. So, So there was that. So we started meeting. We've been meeting for over a year to like develop this thing. We're still not developed. We're still in conversation, but we had a few gatherings. The gatherings didn't go well at Mm. all (laughs) Um, because we're not a monolith. Mm. You can't be like, let's get all the black people together. Like there is no like all the black people. Like it's a lot of different types of, so within that, that got a little hairy scary. Because folks get to self-identify as black, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, which means that certain folks get to not identify as black. So mm-hmm. that... Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So all of that was interesting because there was people 
Now, I'm going to just out myself and say, <laughs> my whole life, I was always taught about if they're brown, they're black. Like, you know, <laughs> you have a black origin. And that, yeah. and that this idea that black, the, like the identity of black mm. is that, you know, you go to Japan, there's black Japanese. Right. And I'm not talking about, you know, Sean Kuisha, Yugosaki. I'm talking yeah. about, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. the origin of, you know, there are black people, people yeah. from Japan. There's black people from China. There's mm. black people, you know, in right. Russia. There's right. black people, you know, everywhere you go. Black people so, in Pakistan. In Pakistan, right? Mm. So my, so let me just out myself and say my entire understanding growing up was that if people are brown, they have a black origin, mm. right? Now, that's not, like, a lot of people don't agree with that, and you know, mm. and that's not, like, that may or may not be true. I'm just saying that's how I had always seen things, right? Right, right. And, like in, in his, uh, the experience of being a person of color that's universal, probably? But you can't even say that, because the thing mm. is, what I learned, so at one gathering, well, on the phone, some black people were upset because... There is a theory, you know, that is emerging, the whole ADOS thing that's emerging. You guys know about this? No. Enlighten me. American descendants of slaves. Oh. And so there is a whole consciousness that the black folks that are descended from the folks who were enslaved through the transatlantic Mm -hmm. slave trade experience you know, our old reparations. I agree with that. Um, with that, the people who have created this identity called ADOS, American Descendants of Slaves, mm-hmm. is problematic in that, um, you know, how do you identify who is, who, who is and who gets to be, you know, black, right? Yeah. Uh, some black people don't identify with Africa. Some black people, you know, will say we were, you know, they don't like to call themselves African-American because they don't agree that their origin was in their, their Africanness coming here from transatlantic slave trade, Mm -hmm. but that they were black indigenous. Now, I agree with that because portion of my family is black indigenous and prides itself on being black indigenous, you know, free, you know, forever. That's a thing. Like, that's a thing, right? right? So then there, the tension comes, though, speaking of immigration, because within that, the American descendants of slaves say that the so-called immigrants do not support the American blacks. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing about, about Africans versus African-Americans. Right, right. And, I mean, we have that within the Ummah, right? Yeah. Um, is anti-blackness within the Ummah yeah. that we yes. do. It's the same thing. So, so just imagine all right, that, right? right? So, so there's that, right? So then, what um, ha- happened within the context of that? Like a lot of that was coming up, and so, like for me, I was like, well, if people want to identify as black, they could be black, mm. you know, because if that's what you identify as, who am I to tell you who you are, mm. right? But then. You know, and and especially me having grown up, you know, in my early stages in a Puerto Rican home and having seen all that, like, you know, through Black Tino is like, that's a whole nother head trip thing, right? 
um, whether you identify with blackness or not. And then that's politically too, right? Because that, that's a rub. So folks were saying, well, you know, Latinx folks get to decide if they want to be black or not. Mm. Arab folks get to decide because historically, you know, when the, let's say, first and second wave of Arab folks were coming here, they were telling them to put white. Yeah, right. white. So we got Syrians, yeah. Lebanese, yeah. Other, you know, this first wave that was in Dearborn. Right. And the sense is they're white. Yeah. And they've been white mm-hmm. as long as they've been here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there's that. Right. So then, so, but right. And then until 9-11 happened and it was like, oh. Wait a second. Yeah. We're not. But we're not black though. Right. <laughs> so, so there's that. So that's a thing, right. you know, so anti-blackness is a thing. So not to, not to like negate anyone's thing is just right. to acknowledge like it's a lot of tensions. See what I'm saying? So at the, so on the phone it was coming up. So then when we got to the actual gathering, people were trying to say like, they didn't want certain people to be in our black only space because we had because you know when you start caucusing you make like right, a black right, only space right. or this one so people were saying like these people didn't belong in the black only space because wow. they were trying to say who was black and who wasn't black mm. so then when we got to detroit now that was in atlanta right. and san francisco so by the time so then we had a few phone calls and it was janky and you know and then when we got to detroit it, it, it kind of exploded yeah. over a few days. Yeah. And so there was like one, so there were all these different workshops and then one, like two of the workshops, one workshop, this black lady stood up and she starts, there was a solidarity workshop at that. This black lady stands up, she starts screaming and calling all the Mexicans white and calling all the, um, telling the, 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 you know, indigenous folks that indigenous people own slaves and what are y'all going to do about that? Huh. And um, it was very ugly and scary and nasty. And then, like, the, the third day, it was like, um, they were like, there was a time and folks were like, look, we need to just make this a black-only space. And they started kicking people out mm. of the room. Wow. And that's when they got wild. So... At that, so right before then, I got super triggered because I was pissed off at people screaming at people in the solidarity right. conversation. And I was like, why are you screaming at currently living indigenous folks that's here at a freaking solidarity, you know, conversation to do solidarity and asking them about people that own slaves. And you're, they're not even from the same tribe as the people that you're saying own the freaking right. slaves. Yeah. Like, what, are, what is this for? Like, I was getting pissed. Yeah. And then, you know, I started to get a little, you know, hood radish. So there was like, pipe, just excuse yourself for a minute. So I had to leave the space, <laughs> you know. So I left the space because I was using some choice language that was not safe space I language. I've never seen you lose your cool. Oh, my God. It's not cute. And so then when, uh, so, so they were like, pipe, just go chill. So I was like, all right. So I was in the hallway and then I was in the kitchen and I was making myself coffee because that's huh. what I do. Yeah. And so... I was in there for a while, like 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing, so I thought it was a break because mm-hmm. I started seeing people leave uh-huh. out the room. Uh-huh. So at least like five to 10 people left the room. Right. So one of the people that left the room identified as Southeast Asian. Mm-hmm. And they are what I would consider brown. Right. So... When they left the room, I didn't realize that they were kicked out of the room. Wow. I just thought they were just 
walking out because I do that, right? <laughs> so I've been there for five hours. I'm about to go get me a coffee. I had right. enough. Yeah. I thought it was that. So then we're talking, and ironically, um, we just started talking about place and space. And then I asked her, I was like, um, where are you from? But I was asking, like, within the Americas, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, she was like, you know, she, she she told me where she was from. And so then I was like, cool. She was like, oh, because I thought you meant what country I was from. I said, oh, well, yeah, that too. And so then... Um, she told me, and then um, I said, so, so I don't, I remember I said something, and then she revealed that she was kicked out of the room. Mm. And then I said, huh, I said, that's interesting. I said, um, I said, how can I kick you out for, uh, I'm like, you're black. And it, she, she threw my whole head for a spin. She's like, I'm not black. And I was like, <laughs> like I was like, what? I just left that room. I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, oh, yeah, no, I don't identify as black. I was like, you're darker than me. And she was. She was. She, I mean, like physically, she's darker than me. Right. I put my I put my hand up. I said, girl, put your hand up. And she put her hand up and I took the picture. I said, you're darker than me. And she was colonialism has done a number mm. on us. Well, Lots she just told that. me that she that <laughs> her and her people never identified as black. I said, you know what? I'm not going to put black on you. Right. I said, but I'm a, but I'm a, but I will let you know that in my house, mm-hmm. you could be one of my cousins yeah. and you could be asked to clean some greens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and snap some peas and she yeah. was just like she's like i know people always think that i'm you know that i have black in me i said but it could be possible right. i was like i don't know i said but it could be possible but she was just like she's like no i don't identify as black it hit my it it it, it twists my head up but i but i had to check myself and i had to tell myself i can't tell this girl she black or not black i have relatives that are way darker than Ismail is. Mm. But we'll get so offended. Right. They're like, we're, no, we're not black. Right. We're not. Even just the word dark. Mm. Like, then what, what, it's not, it's just colonialism has really done mm. a huge number and people just don't want to identify with it. By the flip, though, it's like Namira, shouts out to Namira, uh-huh. has a whole organization. Muslim Ark. Talking, Muslim Ark, talking about Mm-hmm. Being black and Muslim, yeah. right? And Amir is Bengali, yeah. right? Now, to me, I would consider Bengali people black-ish, mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I would consider them black now, because to me, my consciousness about what black is is not just Africa. Right. My consciousness about black, I, I can I include Bengalis in my definition. I include Pakistanis in my definition. She, I include probably all these people in my definition of black. Extent because um, she's a Bengali, so within the Desi community, I guess um, they're considered, if you want to put the status on that, the black of the Desis. So mm. um, they are marginalized in certain ways because they're sort of like, in addition to they're new to Islam, mm-hmm. even though they've been Muslims for um, centuries, yeah, but they're still new on the scene. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be darker, mm-hmm. so there is a class distinction, right? With them, which is interesting, right? Because you know, within so-called Black American, 
you know, families, my own family, the, there's light-skinned people that's been passing. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother would, would, you know, God rest her soul, tell you she's not black. Wow. And, you know, the whole part of my, that whole side of my family would tell you they're not black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they would tell you they're not African. And don't call them black and don't call them African. Which is super interesting to me. Do they Color. take a label for themselves? How do they? Identify? No. No. Yeah, mm. the like they don't even believe in it. Wow. Like they don't even believe in it. They're like, we're all human. Yeah. They're also Republican. Mm. And they did vote for Trump. Mm-hmm. I know. It makes sense. But, um, <laughs> but the thing is that um, they don't identify as it's like we're all one people we're all together because they navigated and negotiated in a space mm. where they could bend right right yeah. to be you know acceptable if that makes sense right. you know what i mean for for the quote unquote success well if white is the standard and a person accepts that whether they're consciously or unconsciously accepting it, then you're going to do whatever you you can to make sure you get closer to that. Yeah. Isn't there like a sector within the African-American community that are of that type that kind of like, they used to have clubs where they were just, the only people they would date or marry or have kids with are people of like their... Black shade. That, you mean so African Americans? Yeah, so they can. Yeah, my that. family. Yeah. Um, my family pra- practiced what is, that what is up through the eighties. Yeah. Um. Well, they call it either cleansing or they would say like, "Don't taint the blood," yeah. or they would um try to keep you pure yeah. if that makes sense. So that, my that, family practiced that, that for like a while. That goes back to uh, New Orleans, isn't it? Well. Pretty much all um, all cultures do that, right? Because oh, like yeah. in um, oh, Dominican yeah. Republic, yeah. I went to, there was an exhibit called The Body. And um, there was a photograph from, I think it was like 1945, around thereabouts. And it was a huge um, portrait of maybe like 100 people. You know, one of those big right, right, right. family photo type right. things outside. And um, the caption, it was in black and white, and the caption next to it told this tale or this story that was true about how these people were like a group of these um these uh 25 um no no sorry 600 they were a group of 600 um so-called Jews mm. from um Germany who had been invited by the Dominican Republic in 1945 to purify the race and how they had murdered 25,000 Haitians living in Dominican Republic to make room for the 600 because they were going to repopulate Dominican Republic. That's um, that's something that happened throughout the Caribbean. Here too. That happened. People don't um, talk about that. I was watching, I can't remember that. The name of the documentary, but I think you can find it easy on YouTube, as if they—that's a reliable source. 
But um, also, I followed up with reading more about it, um, Knife on the Root, things like that. Mm. But basically, it was saying that how um, Cuba and Brazil was purpose, purposely, um, they brought people in yeah. purposely to change the color. Because yeah. there were so many black people, yeah. they had to change the color. Yeah, no, no, that's a lot, lot of that. A lot of they do that. But here, too, my, my family was doing that for a long time. You and know, it's recent. I mean, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's it like feet, not that long ago. About, what, the 40s? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I may be digressing, but uh, Vox, I think they do such a phenomenal job of like giving box. like, what is it, like five to 15 Short minutes? Yeah. yeah. And the one they did on uh, the Dominican Republic and. Um, the Haitians was crazy, like how they, you know, they broke down the history of it, and then they show like what is what what the what the, the separation is, which is like a, a river, mm-hmm. and then they showed like how the Haitians um, have to come over to the Dominican Republic every week to do I the do that, the market, the trade, and how yeah. they make they them sit there yes. mm-hmm. for hours before yep. they can enter for no in reason. for no reason, mm-hmm. and they don't even give a reason. Yeah, and then once they get there, there's nowhere for them yeah. to really set up. Like they, wow. it just it's unreal how like in 2019, like how that's still being done. But then the root of history of like how that's just that's just how it is there in that area. Yeah. Like, oof. Well, it's also interesting how you know um, people. You know, we talk about like self identification. So black is cool now. But I'll be honest with you, when I was um, growing up in the like 70s and 80s um, in New York City and um, in the 80s in particular, when I remember um, in my neighborhood I grew up in, it was starting to become gentrified. Mm-hmm. And so, well, we didn't use that word back then. It, we, they were yuppies. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so they were yuppies, but it was the same bicycles because they were riding their bicycles right. and stuff. That is hilarious. And they were moving in, and it was the young, <laughs> upperly mobile white folks. And they mm-hmm. were, you know, because we had just come out of the whole black power age, and so those college kids who had, um, you know, settled and were protesting in the '60s were now the parents. Of okay. these yuppies who were graduating from college, right. but Reagan was in office, and so they were doing Reaganomics, and so capitalism was winning. You know, cocaine cartels, like you know, hip hop is emerging, punk is emerging. So imagine all that in New York City, right. and so with that, um, they're displacing people, and so Latinx people, so Puerto Ricans are moving. You know, mm-hmm. because they had occupied a a lot of, um, you know, where we were living, which was Upper West Side, you know, 84th between Amsterdam and Broadway, and they were moving, you know, more more north of that and south of that. And then um, Dominicans were, um, had been coming in for a minute, but a lot of, that's when the influx of Dominicans were coming in. And um, at the school I went to, shouts out to IS-44, which was on like, um, what street was that? Like 77th in Columbus, Right. And so um, all these areas now are like super white and people will really not even know how mixed these areas were. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we would go to school and, you know, the way they would even divide us, like, you know, you'd have to take these like these tests. Mm -hmm. And I always tested into like the smarty classes. Mm -hmm. And so they would divide you. And then 
I would always be in classes with all the white kids. Right. And it would be like me, one Puerto Rican, and like all the white kids. And then the so-called like regular kids would be like all the black and Puerto Rican kids. Mm-hmm. And then like the ones that were like in so-called remedial would be, you know, all the kids who were like struggling, you know, with English and and this kind of thing where like had behavioral issues or, you know, um, you know, cognitive issues or reading issues or all this type of stuff. Right. And so I remember we would, we would walk cause New York city was a lot more independent than Detroit. So we'd walk to school, we'd walk home and you have to walk through all these different, you know, communities and neighborhoods and my neighborhood and community was a lot of Puerto Ricans and, you know, and, and some Dominicans. And so, um, my friends, I would go in New York. They would also segregate the young people who did not speak English and they would put them on the second floor and it was called bilingual. And I grew up, you know, knowing Spanish, having, you know, my origin be, you know, in a Puerto Rican home in New York city. And so, um, I would go upstairs with my Dominican friends and we would go, you know, at lunch and get pizza and hang out and things like that. And I had issues with my black friends, who were not in my little smarty class, mm-hmm. you know, um, that were from Harlem, that were from the projects. And they'd be like, why are you hanging out with them? Those people. And they would always call the Dominicans like dirty kids with no socks because when they would come over, a lot of time they wouldn't have resources. And yeah, socks is yeah. something that, you know, is difficult when you're uh, just trying to have, you know, a place to live. Yeah. Right. And then, um, you know, and black kids, New York city got to be dressed a certain way, yeah. all that yeah. stuff. And then, you know, there was super tension between Puerto Ricans and Dominicans because Puerto Ricans were staking this claim like, you know, we're really Americans and y'all are immigrants. Uh And so there was like that thing. And then it was this thing like, y'all Dominicans are black and us Puerto Ricans are like Uh less black or we're like, you know, we have this lineage, you know, the Castellan type Uh of thing, right? Our hair, our skin, blah, blah, blah. But it was just really interesting about like navigating like all that as a kid Uh You know, like getting into fights with black, like I got, I can't front. I got into fights with black kids because they'd be like, what you doing hanging out with, with these ones? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, these are my friends from my neighborhood. I know their parents. Right. I'm going over their house. Yeah. Like we're kicking it, you know, and this type of thing. Like, oh, you think you're put, you think you're this or that. Right. So it's just interesting being a kid in a so-called multicultural yeah. urban space. Yeah. Like how do you navigate that? Mm. Well, just the stuff that gets handed down, right? Because yeah. imagine if you're a kid, why are you upset that another kid is hanging out with another kid? Yeah. Right. Just based on their based like on physical that. appearance, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? But what's interesting though, um, I talk to a lot of other kids now that are, in, that are in multicultural spaces. And because of all of this work that's being done, there's a whole nother mm. consciousness. Yeah, there is. What's that... Um... That rapper in New York, uh, I, I believe she's Dominican. Um, Princess Nokia. Oh yeah, oh she yeah. She just released a freestyle today. I need to watch that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, she's very interesting. Yeah. Tell me why you say that. Because uh, she's Dominican, right? She's Dominican. I don't. Oh, I'm not she's sure of her. Puerto, she's Puerto Rican. I'm not sure. I'd okay. have to look her up. Either one. Let's look her up. So, but she highly identifies as being of Black African ancestry. Makes sense. Yeah, and um, I think. I don't know if that's a wave, but I'm seeing that more with people of um, Puerto Rican and um, Dominican backgrounds. They're um, 
you know, they're getting more involved with uh, She's Puerto Rican. sensitive murder, yeah, things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, highly identifying with their African ancestry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say I would. I don't want to say way because I think it puts a a connotation on it for some people. But I know what you yeah. mean. I think a lot of them are starting to understand their truths. Yes. Um, because Fat Joe recently did an interview, uh-huh. and he said he was Black Latino. Yeah, I, I heard that too. Which yeah. back in the day, you know, he got a lot of flack for saying the N word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but uh, you have to understand, growing up in New York City. Black, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Caribbean, all live same, together. Same boat. Got you. Well, we li- well, we all live together. Yeah. I mean, like, this apartment mm-hmm. next to that, like, yeah. you're going mm-hmm. home and you hearing, you smell the food, you understand what I'm saying? Like, next door. You know what I'm saying? That's the birth of hip hop, right? That's how, yeah. That. That the Caribbean about, roots yeah. and and yeah and so yeah and as you know just being a kid you know what I mean like you're literally having classes like I said with different people um, but the segregation is real in New York City right yeah. I mean so you know now you know things are shifting but it's still real right so that's why you have you know the Korean kids that grew up in Queens. Mm-hmm. That call themselves the N word. Mm-hmm. That's why you have the Chinese kids, a group in Chinatown, call themselves the N word. Yeah. That's why you have, you know what I'm saying? Like X marks. Everybody that grows up in New York City call themselves the N word. Yeah. You know why? Because hip hop is their culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. And I think that's a needed. People don't understand how in depth New York's culture is. I really, right. I think you have to go there mm-hmm. to even get a taste of what people talk about. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because when you can tell even, I'm not going to bring the orange man into it, but um, you can just tell people aren't used to New York culture, which I think is important for people to get used to it because it gives us a sense of the world that I don't think any other place in the States can. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's very deep. It's very, very deep, especially when you talk about different cultures and people migrating, not, you know. And people deciding to come to the Americas, right. and that and that being usually where they go, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. First stop, yeah. Well, I'm gonna tell y'all a real quick story, and then I want to hear your migration story or a migration story that you can share. Yeah. So, a couple of years ago, well, my uncle is one of the activists who has been fighting for twenty plus almost 30 years now for um, recognition of the African burial grounds that are under wall street. Mm, So wall street is built on top of um, African burial grounds. Right. And it's the energy there is thick. If you go to wall street, like you can feel that it's on top of, you can feel that those ancestors are like, what are y'all doing? But, um, it, I had never been to Ellis Island. So I said, oh, I want to go to this Ellis Island. I was thinking, oh, so why did I do that? Because I'm an empath, right? And so, um, I mean, I feel, you know, energies and stuff. And so I went to Ellis Island to go, you know, get this whole, and I don't know, when I was on the, what is that thing called? The ferry. When I was on the ferry, like headed over there, I was looking towards the Ellis Island. You understand what I'm saying? So I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention per se. And I was just like excited about this and it was interesting and I was just like you know excited about what we were about to see this history in this thing mm-hmm. and so 
get to Ellis Island. We do the whole tour. We do the whole thing, get on the ferry. And then we start heading towards back to, Man- this is like after. Mm. We get on that boat to head back to Manhattan. Woo! Have you guys ever been to Ellis Island? No. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You have to take, wait, what is that? So Ellis Island is where um, the European immigrants would be brought to and processed if they came from Europe through the Atlantic to the States. Okay. And so through the New York part of entry. Right. And so they'd be processed at this island called Ellis Island. So they would get their... Uh, checkup, they get shots, and they would decide if they could pass through. Right. Understood. And so and I'm, I'm naming that it was Europeans, though. Right. We didn't go to Ellis Island. <laughs> okay, just <laughs> a lot of people did not go to no Ellis Island. Yeah. Okay, yeah. right. And so um, you know, there's a scene in The Godfather when he goes come when they come. And they show the Godfather when he was a baby and he came to through Ellis Island. There's a lot of movies that show it. But when we were heading back, oh my, I still feel it right now. It's creepy. Why did I look? I knew I shouldn't have looked. You ever feel a creepy feeling? And then you look <laughs> and, like, and it's creepy. No, <laughs> no why did I do it? It's forever burned in my brain. We're headed towards the bottom of Manhattan. Where I told you all these spirits are buried. And and the very bottom of Manhattan is a burial ground. It's the oldest burial ground like in New York City. Mm. And it's pirates. And like there is a, a freaking that thing. What is that thing when you steer a ship? Like the wheel, the steering wheel of the ship. Mm-hmm. Because, because all of the folks that that landed on, you know, Manhattan, it, we're, we're like buried there. So they got like a big old anchor that you can see from like 16 something and 17 something mm. slave chains of freaking, um, cause like they didn't have, you know, where you go to Swanson's funeral home and choose your <laughs> casket right, and right. your flowers. Whatever's they there. just took whatever and put it there and it's there. And you can feel all of the energy coming off that thing. And I'm, what I'm telling you from afar, like I felt it and I was like, ah, oh, it was an energy I can't explain. And when I opened my eyes, like I thought I was going to pass out and jump into the uh, boat. I was like, ah, oh, you know, jump into the water. I right, mean, that's heavy. it was heavy. Like I, I couldn't take it. And like I was covering my eyes and ears and everything. And then I kept trying to tell myself, you know, stop tripping. And let me tell you how the like tour guide lady was like, no, nah, it's real. I was like, because ah! wow. <laughs> some people felt it and some people didn't. And she was like, no, nah, that it's it's real. It's okay. And I'm telling you, like, literally, like, you could see all the different things. And they're from like the 1600s and 1700s. And they're all there. They're just stuck in the dirt. Like if you drew a, a if, if you were in kindergarten, you know, you draw your first house. Imagine drawing your first graveyard. That's how it looks. And they're just like all stuck all over the place. And it's the tip. There's, there's no order for it. It's the tip. Of- at all. And it's at the very tip. Okay. So you just see all this stuff sticking out. And it's all, and I'm talking about the original artifacts from like wow. way, 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 way back. It was creepy at AF. But anyway, 
I just had to share that because that burial ground has, you know, the, like I said, some, some, you know, slave chains. It's got some, um, you know, the, some stuff from pirates, some stuff. So it's got some African stuff there. It's got some, you know, um, Irish stuff in there. So there's a bit of like all these different cultures, like whatever they were believing back then, you get me for like how they did their thing. And it's all there. And they're all together. Like they're all together in death. Yo, it sounds like deep. Woo. It's a lot. Horror movies. It's like a horror movie. (laughs) It's like a freaking horror movie. It is. It is like a horror movie, but, but then it's like, so, um, you know, prophetic, right? Because it's like everyone's all there together in death, right? And so they all struggle to like build whatever this is, right? And then they're all like right there. But anyway, I just had to bring that up because that's my little Ellis Island story. Like, <laughs> and that's when people told me like, did you go to Ellis Island? I'd be like, ah. Oh. <laughs> like, like, you I don't mean, even you know. Have that experience. Not even know. It's, it's, it's wild. I think I got to see it. I mean, I'm being honest with you. It is European people's history. I mean, I know it's interesting because, like, growing up in New York City, you know, your teacher always tries to tell you about "quote unquote" like our forefathers, and you're talking about who are you talking about? It's not my forefather. Yeah, I don't go for that. Sorry. Yeah, it's not my forefather. They they really need to change that. It didn't never change, but they need to figure out language. I mean, like what words you use is very very important. Yeah. What imagery does that bring up? And who who does that bring up? Yeah. Yeah. Forefathers. It's so interesting. I'm not even gonna say what I'm thinking, but yeah. yeah. Like what were those forefathers doing? Right. Right. And it's interesting because yesterday was Indigenous Peoples Day. Right. Oh wow. And I just came from a huge gathering of or strategy session in uh, Minneapolis where a lot of so-called thought leaders um, came together mm. to, um, you know, discuss how to use this toolkit mm. that was built um, to help people do better in their racial justice and, mm. you know, have these conversations. And um, we, you know, there were different sessions from it, but something that was very interesting was one of the last, I mean, we had been there for three days, and one of the last, or not one of, the actual last, like, strategy session workshop Mm -hmm. that we had, um, we talked about, well, throughout, we talked about, you know, um, acknowledging Indigenous uh, presence in everything that we do, and so, you know, and how to, and how to, you know, do that, and then, and then we did evaluation of it. And then at the very end, we were doing an evaluation of like how this workshop could have been better. And one of the black women said, you know, when we're talking about acknowledging indigenous folks, um, I, she was saying, you know, by her being from the uh, Maryland, D.C., Virginia, the DMV area, she was saying that she felt because it's a chocolate city or it's a, a really black space and black, you know, so-called black American space that 
she feels that it should also say an acknowledgement of African ancestry, right? Mm. And so folks were giving her pushback about that. Um, and I think she didn't really understand, um, you know, and, and I, and I, I agree, you know, I agree that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, right? Because yeah, everyone's origin is not, you know, so-called Africa. There was, you know, lots of migration, Mm. you know, happening for a long time. There's evidence Right of pyramids here yeah. in Michigan, out of, out of Africa, right? Hypothesis, yeah. and Pangaea, yeah. right? Yeah. And and even before Pangaea, right? What is it called? Um, the the new, uh, what is it? Yeah, something like that, right? But also across like the. Yeah, you're right. Because one was the Atlantic, and that's the Atlantis story, mm-hmm. and the other one was the other side, which is like the brown folks right, right. that lost all their folks that's undersea, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, but there's that, right? But then there's, you know, um, this, there's this idea. So people push back on that because folks are like, indigenous to where, and different people are indigenous, right? Depending on where you are. Because right. like if you're in Zimbabwe, there's, right? Like folks that are indigenous to Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, but I think me personally, where I land on it is that, you know, who are the original people where you are? Like, if you're going somewhere, you know, do the knowledge to the history of that land and acknowledge the people that were there, the original people that were there. Right. You know, and to me that that's indigenous people. Mm -hmm. And um, and we do have a lot of anti-blackness when we're talking about indigeneity. Mm. And 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 black folks do get erased mm. out of the so-called indigenous, you know, conversation. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of work there that needs to be done, though, right? Because like indigeneity too, you know, even within trying to establish like who's indigenous, who's not indigenous, mm-hmm. like those are political identities as right. well, right? right? Because then it's like, well, who has the treaties? Sure. Who decided the treaties? Who was able to you know secure these treaties and things right there's a lot of people who did a lot of compromising mm-hmm. so that folks could have established treaties and things and that's yeah. controversial to talk about yeah. right yeah. and what about all those white folks who just claim to be cherokee oh, and God. got all those Loans. benefits and all that stuff right grants. yeah and been living for a long time and my family's cherokee black cherokee mm-hmm. folks and those are the people in Tennessee who got left out of I know someone, those deals. <laughs> I, know, I know someone specifically, white person, mm. uh, put on their application to get um, a grant for school mm. that they were Native American. Got it. Mm. No questions asked. Elizabeth Warren. No. Yeah, her. <laughs> no, but, man. Uh, it's someone that I, I personally. You know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, mm. That was an ad lib. That was an ad lib. <laughs> That's good, but I was, I wonder if I did that. Would it would it go through? <laughs> Look at me like. Um, well, I mean, and that's the proof. thing, right? Because at the end of the day, many, if not most, so-called Black Americans are a combination mm. of Black, Indigenous, and whatever Caucasian yeah. version, right. Dutch, Irish, Scottish. Right? Who colonized this this joint? Yeah. 
right? We're we're all mixed with that, right? right. And and white folks too. Yep. Yep. White folks too. How many white folks got black? Absolutely. You should send in that DNA thing, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna see Leroy up in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest about some of this stuff, right? And that's what makes the reparations conversation difficult. Because yeah. then it's my I'm I'm pro reparations, but I already know as soon as they start cutting them checks, it's gonna be a long line of people like Elizabeth Warren <laughs> talking about some my mammy. <laughs> oh, when they say, oh, when but they not- say um, the conversation about reparations, um, particularly with the um, the Democratic, um, I guess um, hopefuls. Um, that discussion has been coming up more, not so much as it was earlier in the year, but that was actually on the tongue of politicians for a while. Mm. And I, I wonder, like, why is everyone talking about that right now? But now it's not talked about anymore. Oh no, yeah, they still, yeah, they got to go hard in the paint now. Yeah, it's like, it's like, um, I mean, what's with well, the debates tonight? Yeah, um, I'm definitely going but, on Twitter after how, this. How much? How much the they've way. been talking about reparations as opposed to? Like five months ago, because it was like, right. Yes, yeah, was, I know what you everywhere. mean. It's not like a top yeah. headlining story. Yeah. Okay, well that's our job. Got to start but, but pushing why, it on Black Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so every, I mean, everything is like timing, right? They don't, mm-hmm. they don't say things um, out of the blue without it having some sort of life to it. Or mm-hmm. um, well, Marianne attention. Williamson brought it up, right? Yeah, and people were embarrassed, right, mm-hmm. that the white lady. <laughs> brought up the janky reparations yeah. offer. Uh-huh. The bill was put forth um, from John Conyers. Uh-huh. John Conyers was had to exit his office through shame of um, accusation of sexual misconduct. Yeah. People were afraid to attach themselves to that bill because of the, because of that. Yeah. Um, you know, not wanting to be attached to him because of the, his whole Bill Cosbyisms. Yeah. And um, so, you know, you got to be a hardcore person to be able to be like, yeah, but the bill was still like the bill still needs to get pushed through. Uh-huh. And a lot of people politically, you know, don't want to be aligned with someone that got pushed out for sexual misconduct. Um, and so people were like, you know, questioning the bill yeah. be- because of that. And then how good was that bill? It's good. Really? I mean, because the it's t- 10 points, and long story short, it's a comprehensive bill that include one, only one of the points is direct payouts uh, to individuals. Okay. The rest of it is how to make people whole in the system. Mm-hmm. So it's all the systemic stuff. So monies should go to historically black colleges so that they don't, so that they're not in debt. Yeah. Money should go for... Um, folks to be able to have access to um, affordable health care. Mm-hmm. Money should go so that folks could, um, you know, have have access to education in general. Mm-hmm. Folks' debt, um, loan debts should be relieved. Mm-hmm. Um, folks should have access to equitable, affordable, quality um, housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it was like, it's like 10 points of things that you're like, Oh yeah, if you did all of these things, then that would make people whole. It helped make people whole. And um and then and then just one of the things is the individual checks. 
And what happened in that conversation is people um, use the fact that other people didn't actually read the bill Mm. to highlight, oh, we can't pay every single person. Well, you actually could. Right. Because if we were to inverse the, the spending that we do in the military industrial complex alone, that would actually in a year like completely make like millions of people whole. Mm. Can you imagine? Wow. That's like in one year. And that's only with one year's of spending. That's nuts. Nuts. And imagine how much they spend like every year. There are some colleges. um, I can't remember the exact one, but they have enough endowments to pay for all of the students' tuition. Yeah. Like Harvard. Yeah. Their endowments. Stanford. Crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are you doing I mean, that's... that's um, it's called capitalism. Yeah. It's just excess. It. That's reparations right Wording there. Free college for black people. Well, that's, a, <laughs> that's on the bill. Yeah. Like, like that's on the bill. Yeah. And it, loans paid off. Yeah, so loans loan, paid off yeah. and, and, and free education. Like, all that's in the bill. Yeah. And so, um, those are the things, you know, because people just want to be on top because, let's just be real, people do believe that there should people believe in capitalism like people believe that there should be people on top yeah and that other people should not be on top and that's the only way it works and then people buy into this idea right and so then like generations of people that live here then decide like well i've been in this country for a while Mm -hmm. and so i get to be on top now right you know and i get to subjugate those around me or you know some version of that and then believing that everyone can equally get there so if with their bootstraps. There. Bootstraps. So if <laughs> you made it there, yeah. then of course you have the right to be there. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Until the next catastrophe comes and then and then you're on the list. <laughs> no fly right. zone. Right. <laughs> oh but we're going to see what's going to happen next year. Um, so next year, everybody, starting in October, they're going to start implementing the quote-unquote real ID. which. Yeah. Yeah, and that means that they that you're gonna have to have this enhanced state ID, or you won't be able to leave the state. Is that a Michigan thing? It's a universal all over the country, United States. And what is it called again? It's called Real ID. So is that like the enhanced? Uh, it's your enhanced driver's license. So what would that do? It has an RID chip in yeah. R. What R is R- it? RFID. RFID chip in it. Yeah. And what does that chip do? Everything. It scans it and gets all of your information. All of your information. Which is why when you get an enhanced license, they actually give you a little card that you can, or a little slot that you can put the card in. So, so that, it doesn't get erased. So not only that it doesn't get erased so that people don't scan, scan it. Scan your info. Yeah, without you knowing. Because if it's in your wallet and it's open mm-hmm. and it's on the edge of your wallet, it can be scanned. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so... um by so i read the list what did I, I sent it to my friend there's a list of stuff that you're gonna have to have to like prove that you have you. well that you have the right to even get this id so yeah it's um it's really deep that's so psychologically twisted so psychologically twisted we done went into black mirror yeah. Very fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Because the next thing is putting those chips inside of you. Oh, no, no, no. When you go... I was thinking about that. Right? When you go to the airport now, people are signing up for the thing called Clear. Have you seen it? Mm-mm. It's, um... So, they say, you are your ID. So, when you go there, you can just go to Clear and put your eyes up in the thing instead of, quote-unquote, going through security. And you see all these Clear people... They're like checking people in, and every time you go, they're like, "Would you like to get clear?" And I'm like, "Nah, no. I'm, like, I'm good." That's like Minority Report cutting people's eyes. It's exactly out like, bro. So it's exactly creepy. it's exactly that. And I was thinking like, "Oh my god, people are gonna be stealing people's eyes." But <laughs> you can go, you can go to the thing. It was a good movie. It was. Oh my god, scary. We're scary. there. This is where we are right now. I can't make this up. It's called Clear. And you sign up for it, and it's your DNA, and you just use your DNA to go through all the airport stuff. I'm tired of the stuff. It's just too much. It's so much. It's too much. It's also like the, what is that security company that owns all of those cameras that are all over the city? Yeah. That now the Greenlight program has linked up with <sighs> the police. So now, as long as your face is in one of those cameras, they can track you anywhere in the city. Gosh. And they can sell that information because it's privately owned. Oh my gosh, that's like a bit much—a whole lot of a whole lot, a lot. Yeah, they can track you. They can track you through your face, and they can track you through your car. So as once you enter the city limits of Detroit, where you entered from, where you went, and where you exited, they can track that entire path. Gosh. So is there any pushback um, with that new? Um, yeah, tons. Mm-hmm. So much is the No New Jails Coalition, and um, the in the green light, um, the folks fighting against the green light. Okay. You know, yeah, um, like Tawana Petty yeah. is working on a lot of that. Um, the folks at BYP are working on a lot of that stuff. Like, there's a whole, um, you know, Allied Media is working um, on that. Well, Tawana works for Allied Media, and they're doing a bunch of stuff where they, um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's crazy because, like, um, they had those cameras installed all the way back, like, 2012. Mm-hmm. The, well, yeah. the, well, the ones at the traffic light. The, the original ones that were, like, right downtown. Yeah. And, yeah, all the ones that, like, the traffic light ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those have been there since, like, uh, like 2012. Mm-hmm. Gotta keep them safe. So, and it's crazy because I'm, like... You got to, like, stop at these red lights. You got to go into stores. You got to walk down the street. Like, shoot. They've been doing it so long before we knew, and nobody's been walking around with no mask. Right? One of my coworkers, um, because I'm a professor, one of my coworkers' students did a research project on that and how do you, how can you, uh, what can you do to your face so that they don't recognize you? Mm. And... Basically, you have to draw lines or cut your hair in a way so that there's jagged lines that are crossing through your face so that wow. the program can't recognize that you're a face. Gosh. So I had to cut my face. Well, like, like your hair. The way that you cut your hair and have oh. bangs in front of your face or like you might draw certain symbols or like um, shade certain parts of your okay, face I'll, so I'll that it's a, not recognizable. Face tattoo. Oh, God. It's just crazy. Wow. How about, how about my is, beard? Well, my, just, well, my beard, like, cover it up. 
Maybe if you know, because that's hair. That's natural hair. Mm. Whatever is natural. That's wild. I was trying to pull up the, um, you know, the thing that like tell like you know to tell folks like what it is. I'm gonna pull it up. Um, But long story short, you have to have all of these. um, Yeah, here we go. Um, Real ID, but they're gonna have it like all over. you know, the United States. And basically you're going to have to have it, you know, in order to fly. And honestly, it says here that it was passed by Congress in 2005. Really? Yeah. Long time coming. So that was like a long time ago. That is. Um. Yeah, so October 1st, 2020, every state must be in compliance with the act. And you'll need the real ID in order to fly domestically. You know, I do remember conversations in the early 2000s about RFID. I saw it, I you remember, know, in magazines I and stuff. Conversations. Yeah. And I remember like thinking, oh, that's wild. That's not going to happen. No, here we are. Yeah. They're calling it an enhanced driver's license. Yeah, that's what it is. So it says you can only use them for getting into the Caribbean, Canada, or Mexico via land or sea. Right. Um, so it's, there, it's not going to interfere with people taking a cruise, but you'll still have to have it, mm. you know, um, you won't be able to have your old ID. They're all going to be expired next year. Um, so it says you can't, you, 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 uh, you, you, but couldn't you still use your passport? You, you will be able to use, so you'll need your passport. Just not your regular driver's license. Yep. Yep. I mm-hmm. recommend everyone here to listen to the song. Saturn by Stevie Wonder. Mm. Uh, speaks of a utopia and Saturn. And in other words, he's he's playing on a notion that um, humans were seated here, mm-hmm. so we're from a different planet. Basically, he's, he's playing on on that notion that he wants to go back to Saturn because we're just so screwed up. And so the song was written in in the early seventies, and it just shows his. Um, um, his vision mm-hmm. is way ahead of his time. Yeah, because um, he was speaking about things that we're actually fighting for today, um, which wasn't as prevalent in his time. Mm. I'm gonna have to check that out for sure. Yeah, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. song, but it's, it's uh, sad in, in certain ways. But because uh, he's he talking about he's talking about um, recycling back then, which was you know recycling in the 70s wasn't it wasn't a known thing as it is right now. Mm. yeah this is like i'm gonna look up like and get this out to folks but it's really like super interesting and so yeah so now you know i talk with this about sadie all the time we've had sadie sar on the show before from abisa and also from our you know muslim community um talking about uh how we relate to one another and her um her pain if you will is that well number one that folks don't support black and african immigrants and their struggles but also that um within her trying to get support for her organization abisa that supports black and african immigrants the pushback that she gets 
from black folks, from folks in the Muslim community, and how, you know, it's a level of um, lack of understanding mm. of what, you know, or empathy, lack of empathy more. Right. But, oh my goodness, everyone's going to learn the immigration struggle and be able to relate next year. Because when folks are struggling to pull together the documentation that they're saying is needed in order to get this real ID, like a lot of this documentation, like people are not going to have. And um, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting. I found it. So there's a list of all the things you'll need in order to even get um, this so-called like real ID, right? So you have to, you know, you have to prove um, like your name. And that sounds like, oh, I can prove my name. That right there wow. can like... It's got to be your birth certificate and your social security card. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're only, it says here, they're only accepting the originals of all this stuff. Uh, How? What? You, so you can't, it can't be a copy. So you have to have the original, um, birth certificate. You have, so you have to go to where, like wherever you were born and like get that and prove that you got to get, it says for Michigan residents, um, you got to get your, um, like if your name is different than the name of your birth certificate, your name change. you got to bring your name change document. Mm-hmm. So you, so your marriage license or court order. Um, yeah, you need like, um, uh, a few, you know, you need like, uh, Oh my God, this is like so much, <laughs> so many things that you'll need. Um, so they have like a list of like all these documents that you could bring to like support. So like your, um, well, your um, insurance, your health insurance, you know, and um, proof of residence. So, like, the so deed to your house so if you or your... If you're, if you're, what if you're living with someone? That, you're screwed. I mean, like, you got to find some documentation to prove, like, you know, that you that you that you're, your residence. You're, you're, yeah, your legal residence. Your legal residence. That right there is going to mess up a whole bunch of people. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Yeah. So, regardless of anything, people about to find out now about the plight of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Like for real, because um, because you got to deal with it. <laughs> we're gonna have to deal with this stuff. So yeah, this is so crazy, 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 crazy. I'm like, wow. But yeah, so October first, folks. So we got a whole year for everybody to, <laughs> get to figure together. get all your paperwork together. <laughs> but like my, what's crazy is I I registered for my license in 2017 to vote for Ingrid. As mayor, and my license expires next year in 2020. That's some BS. Wow. You better get together. Mm. Three years. <laughs> That's crazy, right? It is. But it's because of this ID thing. Yeah. Wow. 
Thank God I got my passport. But I need my driver's license. There's sacrifice to enjoying this beautiful Detroit. Man. You can't even be under the radar now, so. Can't be under the radar now, so. Oh, my God. I'm going to just have to tell you, Brittany, that um, Tammy's downstairs. Can you grab her? Of course. Yeah. One sec. Yeah. So we're about to be joined. I don't know if you guys probably have to run, but we're about to be joined by Tammy now. So it's kind of perfect timing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So um, before you guys go, um, we know you said it at the top of the podcast, but we want to like remind people. Yeah. You know, because maybe they like fast forwarded or something. Because <laughs> they do, right? We do. We do a long podcast here, so okay. I expect people to fast forward a little bit, listen sometimes, not right. listen. Right. So let folks know, um, you know, like where they can listen to your music okay. and your podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can find my podcast on my Instagram, which is at tazeen.ayub, T-A-Z-E-E-N dot A-Y-U-B. You can also find it at digging-deeper.com. And the album is called Inner Horizons, and you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on iTunes, Apple Music. Um, We, you know, artists always prefer that you purchase the music and support us. So. You can buy it on Amazon. It's Lou Fuki and Divine Providence, L-U-F-U-K-I dot Divine Providence on Instagram, L-U-F-U-K-I dot org. If you want to see the website and look at like videos and like upcoming shows and all that kind of stuff. Wonderful. So, yeah, definitely check us out. Yeah. And then your Instagram and uh, is is what again? One more time. Tazine. So T-A-Z-E-E-N dot A-Y-U-B. Okay, that's so cool. So you got to check out her podcast. And are you doing Tuesdays? I'm on a break right now. Okay. And, and hopefully I'll be getting back up soon. There's a but, whole bunch on there now, but though. There's a whole bunch. There's three seasons worth. All right, that's cool. So, um, yeah, so we're going to, like, swap out guests, <laughs> yeah. which is, like, super cool. But you guys are all going to be on the same show. So this is exciting. Yeah. And, Thanks um, for having us. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank looking you. forward to the I'm looking forward to it. So this show is gonna happen October the twenty first and it's gonna be inside of this amazing immigration conference and it's gonna be happening at Kobo. So we look forward to um digging a little deeper with you next week we'll and listening later. to your performance. All right, take it easy. Thanks, y'all. Peace, come. So um maybe you can take like one of their seats and microphones, right? Yeah, awesome, awesome, awesome. So now we're gonna be uh we're gonna be like so um we're gonna be joined actually um by a wonderful performer and DJ who is also gonna be on this same show. And so this is like super exciting. So um you can come on around on that side and like grab grab a, yeah. Yeah, just jump on the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got plenty, I think, right? We should. Yeah, there we go, there we go. So, um, so this is cool. So we just wrapped up a really awesome, you know, like conversation. Um, and that was with Tazine and her partner in Lafuki. They're going to be on the same show with us, uh, next week. And so now we have in the studio with us and can you hear yourself? Uh, I can. Okay. And what about in the mic? I can. Okay. All right. So. Tell us who you are and what do you do? 
Um, my name is Tamay. Uh, I'm an artist, uh, a vocal artist and a songwriter, as well as a DJ. So um, during the day, I make music all day. And at night, you know, I, I play the music. This is so cool. And yeah. you, brought, you brought like a whole bunch of people with you. Yeah, so we we just had dinner. That's, a, that's what's up. That's what's and, up. Um, this is actually my producer here. Hey, um, so he makes all the music for me. And um, what's your name? Lyric. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And uh, over there, he's also a producer, and cool. um, she's a graphic designer. Oh, wonderful! So you know, we just have a group of people, and uh, I thought it'd be cool for them to come and just kind yeah. of like see the environment. This and- is great. So yeah, you're in Detroit. Is different studio, um, and Kari Frazier actually um, grew up in this neighborhood in the house next door. And this house was his grandparents' house. And um, when his grandmother passed away, she, you know, left the house to him. And so he turned it into this wonderful podcast studio. There's about 13 podcasts that are on the Detroit is Different Network. And Piper Carter Podcast is just like one of those, um, you know, one of those shows. And so thanks for coming and doing our show. Yeah, yeah, excited. Yeah, this is exciting. And you're going to be doing um, another show that we were just talking about for the immigration conference that's coming up um, in Michigan uh, next week. And so, um, you know, we're, I'm, I'm really honored, though, that you decided uh, to do this show. Um, and this is our first time actually like meeting in person, right? Yeah, this is actually pretty crazy. Like you just threw me in right, right away and I like that, you know? That's what's up. Cause we actually just We've met been, on text. Yeah. Just texting oh, wow, back that's and funny forth how that always happens. for like the past yeah. month and two months or so. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Esther introduced this. Yes. Yes. Uh, I met Esther at, um, I DJed for their Detroit Chinese Festival. Okay. Um, and that's how I met her. Um, it was their New Year's uh, mm. New Moon one. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's just cool that, you know, like meeting other people and then connecting with each other and continuing to do all this creative work is just really exciting and fun for me. So tell me tell me about your music. Um, so I had first started doing music probably um, last year, seriously, around May. Mm. Um, and I had met him about two years beforehand, but we had, I had no idea he was even doing music. Mm. Um, and we were just friends until, you know, I had moved out when I was 19. I lived in Detroit and was going to school and I was just really unhappy with everything I was doing there. Um, and so I was searching for something Mm. and, um, I had written music, you know, at home alone, um, just during my free time. And uh, I sent it to him one day and was just like, hey, I, I wrote something. I hope you think it's, you know, cool. Um, and that's when he reviewed to me, you know, like, I'm a producer. I really love your voice. Let me produce you, please. That's so cool. And so after that, um, we started working together. And through that, we met uh, a producer named Illmind. Yeah. And um, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. Him. And um, then we started traveling, you know, like all over Mm. and just um, sharing our music with all these wonderful um, people of all different levels. And it was incredibly humbling. Mm. And um, it was just cool because it was a large networking event, which I've never been in, um, where you get to meet people from your city. Okay. That you would have never met otherwise. Okay. You know, so it's just a large networking event. You get to meet all these people and make music with them, potentially connect with them. And that's just it's an amazing feeling. Um, and through that, um, I started learning how to DJ so that I can, um, quit, you know, my waitressing job. Okay. Um, because I thought, you know, why not 
surround myself with music. Yeah. Completely. That's what's up. um, That's how I got in with everything. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm just excited. She's going to do this show with us, right? Like next week. Mm -hmm. And um, so Tazine, you know, and Lafuki, they, you know, play more like acoustic and sing and this kind of thing. And so... You know, we're going to be blessed, you know, with Tamei, who's going to DJ. Tamei is going to turn it up. Turn basically. it up. She's going to yeah. get everybody Millie rocking. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, I, I love your hair. Oh, thank you. It's well, so cool, right? Yeah, just, yeah okay, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Just for our listeners, she has a very beautiful pink and is swagging with the fall colors. It yeah, it looks thank cool. You. It's very nice. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. So this is exciting. So we get a chance to, you know, so... um our company slash organization is we found hip hop and we, you know, support and uplift women in hip hop. And we started out as a weekly no misogyny open mic where everyone could get on the mic, but just could do no misogyny. And so um, from there we've evolved and now um, we basically do artist development and um, booking and um, different aspects to help women you know be in the business Mm -hmm. and um so and we provide spaces and platforms for women to perform and be seen and this kind of thing so we do showcases and uh, we do a women in hip-hop conference we just um uh did a women in hip-hop retreat in Idlewild Michigan you know in the woods and just getting away and connecting women with um you know, veteran women in the industry to give them pointers and stuff like that. So uh, people, you know, come to us now to, um, you know, book women artists and women talent. And so for this, I was telling um, Tazine and Lafuki before, you know, when the organizer of this conference was like, look, this is an immigration conference, but we want, to do um, a, you know, a, an opening because there's going to be a lot of political people there, a lot of, you know, deep conversations about policy, you know, and about all the things that people are dealing with, you know, being undocumented and um, just all the struggles of what's happening now with immigration that we want to open with, you know, lively music and, you know, celebration of culture. Mm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, right? So this is going to be dope. So when I thought of it, you know, of all the artists I know, I was like, I really want to connect artists that have a, you know, connection to, you know, um, immigration, whether first or second generation, Okay. you know, so that they're they're embodying, you know what I mean? Like what the conference is about. So um, all three of you, you know, have that. And um, so that's really interesting. So um, is it okay if you share like your cultural background and or any of that with us or? Yeah. Yeah. Is that cool? Okay. Of course. Um, so I'm uh, Vietnamese mm-hmm. and um, this is, this actually kind of like touched my heart when you reached out mm-hmm. to me for this because um, I, I was born in Vietnam Okay. and uh, I came over here when I was three and um, you know, we, we, we come from a very traditional family Mm -hmm. and um being able to go into hip-hop is something that isn't usually praised in my culture you know Mm -hmm. um because in my culture it's usually go to school 
be a doctor, a teacher, a lawyer, you know, just um, most of the parents that come over here, they try to teach good values, try to, you know, push you towards a more stable career. Okay. And so um, being able to be a part of this community and um, showing other kids and other people that it is possible and, you know, trying to change the mindset is has been really um, humbling to me, mm. you know. Um, it's been it's been a journey, um, but it's a, I hope it's a journey that will inspire other people in the future um, to do the same things as I do and venture into their passions regardless of their backgrounds. Mm. That's what's up. Yeah. So yeah. I, I hope, you know. But do your parents think you're dope? Um, they didn't at first, you know. Now they catching the vibe. Uh, they're starting to catch the vibe. Hey. Uh, they're starting to catch it. But at first, they they were of course against it. I understood. Um, you know, normal. How did you work through that? Ah, uh, man. Did you put it back in the music? Uh, I I did. I put a lot of it back in the music, and I just stay consistent. Really. Staying mm. consistent, and and it it kind of gave me like. Uh, a reason to continue. I got you. Because uh, not only did I want to prove them wrong, I wanted to um, show them and enlighten them more. Like, I didn't want to prove them wrong. I just wanted to enlighten them, show them a whole nother world that they w- never would have understood mm. otherwise. That's deep. And um, it's it's been it's been a really cool journey with my parents. And we're still working through it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a one day at a time type of deal. Okay. So tell us, like, technically, like, what are you spinning on? Like, what do you do? Um, so I, I spin on a controller. I don't spin with uh, vinyls. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything's done digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, you know, spin a variety of music. Um, I try to play towards the the audience. Okay. And um, when I first started, you know, I had, it was a learning curve because I had to learn all these different types of music to be mm. able to um please everyone and you still can't please everyone at the end of the day um but most of my music um is around hip-hop more like latin electronic okay yeah latin electronic and pop as well okay so that sounds like a lot of fun yes yeah so dance you and people dancing yes i love i love dancing and i love um seeing people dance and one of my favorite things as a dj is to go on the dance floor oh nice and like how do you do this um, it, it's like a run out there for a minute and run back. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you go up there, you know, you play a little something, something, and then you like run in the crowd, dance for like two minutes, and then yeah. come back up. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Now, do you have this happen to you? Because I know this is like a big pet peeve of hip hop DJs. You're spinning, you're in your vibe, you're doing your thing, and your friends are coming up to you. So, so, you remember what happened last week? Blah blah blah. Do you have somebody there telling them like, "Don't talk to her"? Yeah. Oh, you do. We were just talking about that. It happens a lot. <laughs> it happens way yeah. much more than you think. Yeah. There's just one person who shall remain nameless that like comes and starts freestyling and rapping no. while music mm-hmm. is playing. And in like, your ear. Yeah. Uh-uh. Like you're not playing for a crowd. And you're like, um, I'm clearly working, right? And you would think if you had the indication that you're working, that, you know, someone's going to get that space. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, people love to get into that. What about the people sliding 20s for records? Do people still do that anymore? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah they lot. still do. Other night, is that um, annoying? Well, depends. You know what I mean? Like if it's not with the vibe. If it's not with the vibe, then it's like if you're if I'm playing hip hop and you come up and you ask for country. That's funny. Uh, and everyone's dancing to hip hop. It's kind of hard right? the, the energy, you know? yeah. yeah. Um but if it's with the energy, I'm you know, I'm going to take that 20. Like yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, and it's interesting cuz like um 
I have a lot of DJ friends. Yeah. And it's so funny because like every, like when I go out, right, and I see the DJ, first thing I do, I just give them the nod and the yeah. peace and like yeah. keep it moving so yeah. I don't ruin it because I know they ain't a thing. But it's like everybody goes up to them, start to have full throttle conversation. That's yes. crazy. It I've is. had people share their life stories with me. And you like, and I'm like, I'm not now. To do something, <laughs> <laughs> and then they get upset, right? Yeah, they get oh. upset when you tell them like, no, nah, no. Nah. Oh, really? You think you're all that? Do your yeah. little DJ thing? <laughs> public, you know, you belong to the people. Apparently, yes. mm-hmm. you know, you're supposed to abide by what their whole vibe is and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So. No, it's so funny I, when I DJ at a at um Drake's thing. I was making jokes. I was like, I'm gonna have my little bodyguards, and it was funny. I asked. Couple, I asked that did. I asked a couple guys. I was like, I need you saying here and here. And if anybody comes to this DJ booth, you tell them don't that touch the so DJ funny. booth. No. <laughs> and they did it for me. They was like, don't get us kicked out. I was like, nah. <laughs> it was so funny. That's so cool. And so when you, how do you discover new music? Are you doing like the whole like that piff? Are you in record pools? Like, oh, you said that. <laughs> she knows how to um, dig. You know how to dig, dig. Yeah. Um, no, I'm usually in uh, record pools. Okay. And uh, I look on SoundCloud, YouTube. I always look on Spotify for like the newest music. Mm-hmm. And um, since Lyric and I are both in music, we're constantly listening to new music. To new so music. we're trying to find like the best stuff. Um, there's a, actually a radio station on soundcloud called selection oh my god i love selection yes oh my oh my god, god. that's my that's my joint right there i'm so right? happy you said that yeah oh. yeah i love i love selection i'll be on there that's I, I, they're based in la mm-hmm. yeah and they um it's two of them joe k yeah. and uh yeah Power. uh-huh Definitely. and um but joe k he does more shows i think way more yes. shows yeah andre's more low-key he does more shows internationally though right mm-hmm. right right yeah that's how i found out about kaylani they did a whole Kaylani show, like had to be like mm-hmm. six, seven years ago. I mean, like they 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 get it way before mm. Gold Link, the same, you know. Gold yeah, Link, they helped her. release Brent Fire. Yeah, that's how I found out about her. That's how I found out about everyone. Mm. And um, the new wave of music. Yeah, who else? Um, I mean, just like everyone, everyone, everyone. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, like all of them. Yeah. Do you guys have the same taste in music? We her and I. Mm-hmm. You know, it took a it took a while. It took yeah. a while because I, I listen to a wide variety of music and I, I like to, even if I don't like the artist, I like to still dig through and see who produced it, see who wrote it, you know, listen to every track. Kind of sewer it. I have to because mm-hmm. um, that's that's how I, you know, started DJing. That's what made me want to DJ. You know, you have to kind of be the master of the aux chorus. Agreed. So I can't tell you that song is bad unless I know that song. Have you noticed, have you guys both noticed that, like, do you guys like it when someone tells you they don't like a song and then you play it for them? And you show them the vibe they should have when they're listening to it. And they're like, oh, I guess I was listening to it wrong. I know those people listen to music wrong a lot. Yeah. So I know as DJs, you peep that, you know. Yes. You know, they forget that music is kind of like a, a beverage or like a food. You know, you have to pair it right with certain atmospheres mm. and certain moments and, you know, activities as well. Mm-hmm. So when she DJs, you know, that was one of the main things that, you know, she was learning was when it is it appropriate to play this type of style of music gotcha. or to set that type of vibe. Mm. And, you know, we try to instill that in the crowds that we do. So, like, you know, she's one of many female DJs that we all, you know, come together and share the skills with to make sure everyone understands mm. that. So that can be something else. Like, she's learning how to DJ as well. Okay. Hey. Like, um, hey. Yeah, it's, it's, There's this, like, really awesome person that's in the corner there, Just Real Fly, 
with a dope red leather <laughs> yeah, she jacket this, on and she hair wanted, to match. I was trying to get her to sit down, but she was like, no, nah, I want y'all like, to look nah. at my cool, uh, cool ass outfit. And I was like, all right, cool. And gorgeous hair that matches right? the, the, the jacket. Yeah, and, and the lips too. The lips, the hair, the jacket. Yeah, I need to, go, I need to get my hair dodged. <laughs> no, that's all good though. So then um, now do you, so like in Detroit, there has, well, maybe across everywhere, there's been a resurgence of record stores. Do you go to the record, do you go to like these physical record stores and like listen to music? Uh, we do from time to time. Okay. Um, I don't get to do it quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of my music is digital. Okay. Uh, but we do go there to dig for music when it comes to production and sampling. Right, right, right. So hours. One of our favorite things to do. We go in there for maybe three, four hours at a time. Are there places in, in the city that you like best? Or are these like secret places that you're like, nah, don't tell them the secret we places. We can drop one, Jim. Okay. Um, next to Trino Soaps. Are you familiar with that record? I store? love Trino Soaps. Mm. Absolutely. That's Brad. He used the well, that's people's records moved down records, there. Yep. Yes. So yeah. used the market, right? I'm a digger. I dig. So I, I be yeah. in there. Yeah. Definitely. I'd be in there digging. We have a big collection of records. <laughs> Huge collection of records. Mm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. What it, any genre in particular? Or just kind of just records and music in general? Records and music in general. Most mm. of it is in soul. I would okay. say so, soul. I scour for Brazilian music. Brazilian. What kind of Brazilian music? Brazilian jazz, funk, um, any ballet, mm. ballet funk, any, any, anything that's Brazilian because they're on a, they're still on a wave that we have not caught up to yet. Mm. I just got back from Brazil. How was that? Amazing. I stayed with um, multiple free Af- Afro indigenous um, tribes, like with them, like in their homes, like learning from them. Oh, that's beautiful. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I do a lot of social justice, like, nationally and internationally and locally. But, um, yeah, so incredible. And I got a chance to play Capoeira with, like, a Capoeirista wow. master on his birthday, like, in the street, in, like, a street Capoeira, that's so authentic like, street school. It was so authentic and raw, and it was <laughs> dirty as hell. And I was got so dirty, and I was like, oh, my God, but I had my shoes off. Mm-hmm. And my hands on the ground, and I played Capoeira, and I got all dirty. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> you can't pay for real. This is it was real. real. Yeah, and it was dope. And the lady that had the restaurant next door, like I was eating over there, and I went to go wash my hands, and she gave me this beautiful doll. Because, you know, in um, Brazil, they, they, you know, they practice um, a version of Yoruba. Um, and so she, when she handed me the doll, I was like, wow, this is awesome. He gave me a voodoo doll, you know, and uh, it's this black doll with like a head, like this African head wrap and this African skirt. And um, she was like, this is for you, you know, while you're here in Brazil for your protection. She's like, and she was selling the dolls for like 40, 50 bucks. And I was like, oh man, like, I don't really have any money. She was like, no, no, that's for you. That's for you. I was like, wow. It was amazing. And our whole group was eating at her restaurant, like, pretty much every day. So we spent, like, we spent dough up in there, like, eating at her yeah, restaurant, like, to, to, you know. That's what you're yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was awesome. Can I ask of a dish that you would say that was your favorite that really stuck out to you? I can't remember the names of them. Uh, <laughs> like, if you did, that would have been a It was, like, uh, rice and vegetables <laughs> with amazing soup. Yeah, it was, like, yeah, it was, like, amazing stuff, like, every day. Well, they do 
um, like risotto. Oh. So it's like a risotto. So it's pretty much like a risotto. Like if I have to describe it, it's like a risotto, but way better. Like, you know, Caribbean risotto Ooh. with like mushrooms and vegetables. Like amazing. And homemade. Like every day. Just amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And then we walked to the beach. Like it was incredible. But yeah. So, okay. So you love Brazilian jazz. I do too. Um, do you like artists like Mongo Santa Maria? And these types of artists? You're hitting all the hammers on the nail right now. Okay. You really that's are. I'm, I'm actually very impressed. Oh. Well, I'm you. old. I'm <laughs> <laughs> 47. So, yeah, I know a lot of music. That is young. That is young, especially for what that is. Like, I mean, that they have a lot of great combination in chords and, you know, rhythms and, like, uh, just the way that their syncopation is. It's, it's, oh, my God. It's beautiful. Like, we have to study that because when it comes to her music side, yeah. we try to really implement, like, different genres and different approaches to mm-hmm. bring it to the modern, you know, spotlight. Yeah. And that's where it really gets interesting when you go to that type of jazz because the runs that they have going on, like with any instrument, you can try that vocally. Yeah. And that's where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting to me? What, what's your favorite, do you have a favorite, um, like, era, like, like of, of music? Like, let's say, like, a period or year or decade or are you just, like... I wouldn't no. say so because okay. um, I, as just a person, I've always um, picked and choose like my the best parts of each genre or each um, era. Yeah, like, I can't pick one because there's so much good. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard for me, at least. Mm. As a producer, I say the seventies. Oh my god, I was about to say mm. the seventies. Don't I always say that, Brittany? Facts. <laughs> but really, the 70s the best era of music the best era of music if you think about it all hip hop from the 90s and the late 80s came from records from either the 70s or the late 60s yeah um, when it comes to music now uh, from like Bruno Mars or all the way to Pharrell Williams that music came from the 70s yeah like like Strictly or even mm-hmm. things in hip hop and rap that these producers are flipping the 21 Savage record mm-hmm. you know a lot that was a record from the early uh, 71 Mm. You know, and a lot of the things on selection that they're flipping and like yeah. mixing, that's coming from music from the seventies. Yeah, and mm. it, it was it was a a golden time. I can't even explain it. What they had in the water, it was a golden time. The seventies yeah. was the best for, era for film too. For, for film, black film, man. Mm. Well, just for art in general, because mm. the seventies was coming out of the Black Power era, mm. and was coming out of a rebellious, revolutionary era where globally, these different countries. Um, were, you know, looking at the black Americans that had done all of this rebellion in the 50s and 60s with the civil rights movement and with Black Panther movement and folks were connecting with one another. And so the 70s was where in the States, a lot of implementation of these policies and things were happening. And so, um, you know, you have affirmative action, you have a lot of things happening, but then you also have this brown power movement you have the um, the different Asian movements of rebellion happening here. You have, um, well, Asian American, I should say. You have um, over in Africa, a lot of the different um, nations that are, you know, um, rebelling against these dictators and things like that. And so, you know, you've got people like Miriam Makiba, like you have Stevie Wonder, you know, traveling around and, you know, grabbing different instruments and showing us that and then, you have the beginning of electronic 
music where, you know, folks are starting to look at how to, you know, do things differently and morph mm-hmm. and change sounds. And not even to mention all the drugs. Yes. I mean, yeah. everyone is high on everything. But then you're coming out of all these other movements. So you have the queer movement. Mm-hmm. You, um, you know, you had the uh, Stonewall Rebellion that had happened in, what was that, 69? You had the sexual revolution. You've got the women's movement. So you have all of this type of, you know, the, the world was just shifting and changing. Mm. And, um, you know, the Beatles were biting off people. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, just all this, you know, um, share, you, even if you go over to, you know, Latinx music and, you know, Celia Cruz and Ooh. Hector Laveau and, you know, the Fania All-Stars and, you know, all, all you know, just... All this amazing, you know, Ruben Blades, like all this amazing music. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's all happening, right? Because salsa is rebellion music, right? Mm. And so all this stuff is happening and people are starting to recognize, you know, um, their their intersections and how they can work together. Music is a huge part of how, you know, folks are like getting money together yeah. and doing revolution together. That was the voice. You I know? mean, throughout all that oppression and all that aggravation that they had, you know, when you can't speak to masses of people, mm-hmm. you know, just by speaking plainly, that that way of delivery was music. That's yeah. what made it so great because that song went to so many other people and it spread so quickly and it became it became a pure conversation and it became new music to us. Yeah. Because it was exactly what you're feeling exactly the way that you want it to be interpreted yeah mm-hmm. so this is beautiful so when do you guys go digging is it like weekly or it used to be almost every other day especially mm. when we both lived in downtown detroit we would okay just ride hop on a bicycle yeah we can ride over there we used uh-huh. to live right off of um shane street okay so it's so right we over there right over there so we mm-hmm. can go all you know five minute yeah. drive whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all the time and now it's about maybe three times a month three times so do you guys do like your cyber digging then? Cyber digging is cyber huge. digging is huge. She she yeah. spends a lot of time, you know, looking either through the the YouTube wormhole. Oh yeah, yeah. You go to the older music and it's like, oh, what what that album cover looks cool. I'm gonna click on that. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Japanese jazz. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I gotta check that out. Yeah, no, it's hot. What? Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Japanese experience yeah. music, world. especially yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, that's Dang. Where it really hot. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, the experimental <laughs> pop is just. Yeah. It's incredible. It's a whole new world. They were yeah. on right. something completely different. Yeah. Um, Japanese well, jazz. Japanese. That yeah. even sounds Japanese good jazz. saying. Yeah. 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 Right. No, it's interesting. Um, so then now with let's say like moving forward, um, this is a random question because like I always talk to a lot of different artists and I always have this, I'm gonna call it a, an argument because they say it's a discussion, but it's it's an argument. But I always have argument with artists, and a lot of artists are like, you know, I want to just make like my masterpiece. You know, I call it like their Dune or their 2001 Space Odyssey, which was like mm. Stanley Kubrick's. Like, <laughs> but um, but I just believe that in like this day and time, like people should just do as many collaborations as possible with as many artists as possible, and just do a whole bunch of singles until their fans ask them for an album or their fans ask them for a project as opposed to like, I'm about to put out a 16 tracks and then people be like, who cares? Wow. No offense, but that's like my, that's like my philosophy. Like, what do you think about that? Um, It's crazy that you say that because we completely agree with that. That's Mm. been our entire movement. And we've been trying to push that, especially in Detroit, because 
I feel like nowadays people are all about me, 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 me because we have social media mm. and we have all these platforms that, you know, you can easily drop a seven song EP right now if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've learned through our process and through the travels that we've done um, with Illmind that collaboration is where it's at. Mm. Um, there's so much music nowadays that you can't really try to stick out on your own. Mm. You have to sell your personality. We call it yeah. the 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 food. Um, what is it called? The food court tactic. Mm. You know, when you, yes. when you go to the mall and they have like the food court, and then you know, most of the time it'll be like either any type of genre, you know, any type of type of food. But like most likely, it'll be like a Chinese spot, and they have like sesame chicken on a plate, and they give you one just to try it. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I like this. It's mm-hmm. good. I'm gonna get a whole plate of that. It's the same type of delivery. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are more inclined to check out one, one thing. Song, yeah. And then whole EP. I might listen to the another or the third one, but yeah. you get overwhelmed when you look at a large body of work. And if you don't like the first two tracks, you're not gonna look at the next Mm-mm. sixteen. Yeah. Well, if you're not a person like people like, because I'll check your whole album out. Yeah. Regardless, just, right. I'll just check out the whole thing you and be like, find something you like. <laughs> or no, I just, I just, you know, I'll just listen to the whole thing because I figure, like, because I know artists, because both my mm-hmm. parents are artists, and I grew up around art, so I'm like, yeah, they might have only just made like one really awesome song, mm-hmm. or maybe they don't have one awesome song. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna listen to the whole thing. You know what I mean? I'm gonna just give it, give it a chance. But some music, I'm be honest with you, if sonically it turns me off in the first ten seconds, I'm done. And it might be something on there that's hot, but I didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> the energy hits you, the right way. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. As an artist, you you evolve. Daily. Mm. So it's hard um, to put out a full EP, and people nowadays don't give a lot of people chances because mm. our attention spans are very short these days. Um, and so it's hard for someone to focus on a whole album. It's easier for people to digest just one song. I'm gonna throw out some names, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Brittany get in here. Okay, That's we. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do rapid fire. I'm gonna do rapid fire. Mm. Kendrick Lamar. Oh, a goat. Thoughts. Goat. Amazing. The goat. Oh, by I, I for that generation. For when you think about Big Sean, Wale, Nipsey, Dom Kennedy, uh, YG. Speak your truth. All them that came out at the same time. <laughs> Nipsey, rest in peace. I'm mm-hmm. still listening. Like all this week, I've been listening to Victory Lap. Like you got to listen to Victory Lap. As certain, it's a season for Victory Lap, and right now my season is Victory Laps. But so rest in peace, Nip. But Kendrick, man, Kendrick, man, out of all them, man, he changed music. He changed it. Mm. He 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 kept it alive. He kept what y'all created alive for the 2010. Um, and then uh, after. Okay. Lil Wayne, they say, did it before that. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's mm-hmm. debatable. But okay. Kendrick, I'm sorry, I'm done. No, okay. I just want to, I really want to chime in on this because I, I feel strongly about Kendrick as well. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, big, big critic. And I am I like to see if anybody has musical appreciation in their, in their body of work. Okay. And as much as Good Kid, Mad City was an amazing album, you know, to for as a debut album at that time period, uh, compared to like Drake and everybody else that was going on. When he did to pimp a butterfly and showed that appreciation, <laughs> yes, okay. and 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 the message that was accompanied by it at that level was not only a huge risk, but it was it was something that's just like not you don't see. Mm. You wouldn't see a Drake do that. You wouldn't see a Big Shine do that. But he took out that step to do it, and not only 
did he do that? He also like solidified like existence in certain artists. Like like he had that excerpt from Tupac at the end of it. Oh my you god, know, it was beautiful. It was scary. I had chills the first time Me I heard too. it. Like you know, I thought that was actually too. I'm like, oh, he is alive. I knew it this whole time. Right? <laughs> no, like, he had the interview. That that interview was out cold. I mean, okay. that whole album is. It's un. I don't think, I, I don't think to pimp a butterfly gets as much accolades as it should from the intergenerational of hip hop as it exists. Um, but that album is cold blooded. I mean, you got Rhapsody to me spitting one of the best yes. verses she's ever spit. Yes. The whole song complexion it, in itself. She won the Grammy. They they won the yeah. Grammy for that. that yeah, that's true. They should have. They, they should have had multiple awards off of that album. Um, that one was for not only the culture, but that one's for a time. Like that one was. That's, that's something. That one was that tells okay. what's happening right now. At so that what time. about Rhapsody, Eve yeah. album? The um, album right that now. That album is hot. It's crazy. It's super hot. I just wish more people could like, Understand especially it. female artists. I wish they can see how strong she is right now. Mm-hmm. I wish they can see how strong she is. You don't yeah. think they do? No. no. It's a lot of people. Really? Like, for example, do you know who Rhapsody is? That's what I'm saying. Mm. It's it's. No one really knows who they she know. Is. Oh, Still, they, they, they love don't. Beyonce though, and I love Beyonce, Beyonce too. Well, Beyonce's publicist got her everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, it's the it's the sex sales that it's the sex hip hop. But I just hip, saw hip hop Rhapsody at what was it hip hop awards? Then she just get a hip hop award. Yeah, yes, yeah. they're giving her the respect she's owed, but they're not doing anything else other than that. You mean like getting her music out there? They're not pumping Rhapsody. No Mm -hmm. one's pumping her. Like Cardi B. She's on Rockefeller. Cardi B put out Press and what other song? One other song this year. But you would think that she has a whole nother album out. Cardi B hasn't put out another album. Cardi B publicist. Cardi B's publicist. You know what I'm saying? So, but I think it's the publicist. But I also think, Piper, you know more than me. It's what the industry wants. They want one, as much as they say they are. They're opening the doors for all women in hip hop. Yeah. yeah. They're not. Mm-mm. They're flat out not. No. And Cardi B is the selected one. They, I love Nicki Minaj. And to your point, I wish Nicki Minaj would study Rhapsody. I wish in she was studier. In what way? Oh, in any way. But I mean, like specifically what he's Lyri- talking about. Lyrical content, building an album. Nicki struggles with making music. Yeah. Flat out. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She... Even says it herself that when she's on a she what what was the new song that she just uh popped on and the not baby the one with city girl the baby the baby oh, yeah. she, uh, iPhone the song yeah. iPhone mm-hmm. she murdered that mm-hmm. she switched her flows five times on that record she was having yeah. fun but when it comes to putting out a body of music I've never have liked any I well, love because Nikki. she makes baby music she so makes music for babies so that's why I think she it's should terrible. study she should study Rhapsody and yeah. you know she was hanging out with Nas a couple mm-hmm. years ago she should have studied him you know a lot of people get well, she not, was studying something else with Nas I understand <laughs> I understand <laughs> but that could have been the best of both worlds you know what I'm saying but yeah. all, the point I'm getting at is is that um, they've moved Nicki Minaj out the way purposely yeah. They did. Yeah. She's a problem. You know, if a a lot of things that aren't surface are the songs that she had, you know, when it when it had that different subject matter that had like substance to it. And, you know, it's hard to even find those on YouTube nowadays. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, this will be the last point. Y'all got me passionate. I know mm-hmm. what I'm saying to y'all is not a hypothesis. is because T.I. goes on his new podcast that's getting a lot of good reviews. Shout out to Tip. Yeah. And he says he can't put Nicki Minaj on his top uh Greatest rappers of all time. He had to put that. Little Kim. 
I respect it, but it's still just a conversation that goes into the narrative that there can only be one woman. Yeah. Well, and I think then, then T.I. is on yeah. the show with Cardi B. Yeah. Slap in the face, right? Slap in the face, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> like, I think, what? But I think, you know, Nikki, I'm going to be honest with you. The reason I can never take her music, like, I always loved Nikki as an MC. I was like, she was an amazing MC. Mm-hmm. Just very underutilized. And her content was just terrible. I just could never Agreed. listen to her freaking music. She's 35. And she got mad at somebody for telling her that. I could never listen to her music. Her music was horrible to me, but it wasn't for me. True. Her music was for children, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But um, it didn't have to be. It didn't have to be. I just think it was like terrible, the music. Yeah. But I'm saying her talent, yeah. her artistry, I always thought she was so amazing as an MC, you know, and it's just that just really disappointed me about her. Mm-hmm. But I but what I see because I have a whole business and you know, I dedicate to women in hip hop, like I see so many artists. Man. I see so many amazing women. Um and shout I just, out Book, shout out Alex, Book shout Brown, out Frankie, shout yeah. out Yeah, but the thing is is that I think, you know, we can have one conversation about the music industry, yeah. mm-hmm. which is, you know, a thing and it exists in the world but if we can have another conversation about being a professional artist and making money and traveling and building your own fan base and having longevity and you know uh dipping and dabbing into you know the industry if you want to you know what i mean but not having to succumb to you know just that one paradigm and like creating your own paradigm strongly agree with that Mm -hmm. because the best thing as an artist that you can do is show growth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you think about the top artists in whichever genre you like to put, or if we just stick to hip-hop, if you think about the Kanye West, if you think about the Jay-Z's, or if you think about any female artists like Beyonce, they show what point they are in life as they as a man or woman and the responsibilities that they acquire. And they put that into their music, which shows you the pathway of what they were. So they don't need to stick to that one paradigm usually. That's what I love about it. But unfortunately, Nicki Minaj didn't have that period yet. Agreed. No. You know, she didn't have that... I, I, I'm now this woman who has all these things that I have to look over and now 100% agree or like what Jay-Z did with the you know 444 yeah. or whatever yeah. that, that when we look powerful. back on yeah when we look back but on that album but she might cause remember he quit <laughs> well, <laughs> well yeah <laughs> but I'll say with the four Brent mentioning up 444 because I think when you're a hip hop fan yeah. Uh, the 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 further we move away from that album when it came out, the more I think pivotal it is. Even though I I would I am a huge Nas and Jay Z fan. I was a Nas fan first. I hated Jay Z, and then I saw Fade to Black, and I'm like, damn, I love Jay Z. Yeah. Yeah. And then um I, I, I one day is Nas, one day is Jay Z at this point for me in life. When that I talk cognac. about top five, that um, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, but. Jay, you know, coming out back in the day saying, you know, he's not, he he rather dumb it down to make money. You know, he could be Twilib Kweli. He said it on wax. Yeah. <laughs> so for him to put out 444, as much as I was like, damn nigga, excuse my language, but damn nigga, it took you long enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's needed per the point you're making about growth as an artist, yeah. right? He's 50 something and he still understands the importance of growth. So I think that's the most that you articulated that so well. well thank you. Thank yes. You. So wait, but bringing that back to when you, you know, first came and you talked about, you know, um, what you bring, you know, like to this genre. Like, can do you see um, how like you could grow or like what you could do? You know what I mean? Like, let's say next year or the year after that or year after that. Most definitely. 
<clears throat> I think at the same time, I am still learning. Okay. So I am still discovering myself as an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do eventually, this, this is my ideal um, situation. I, I, the reason I got into this is so that I could be that person for Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about hip hop or R&B, what Asian American in the business do you know? Well, not anymore, but we had Jen. Remember him? Learn Chinese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that is tokenization. And when you go back, that's <laughs> really? not timeless. Like, that's so really whack. Like, so whack. Like, yeah. it, it, there's nobody in there that somebody respects unless they're mixed. Um, mm. Nobody. Hip hop has a reputation of being very close off, understandably so. Mm. Um, unless you go in the dance world. Yes. Yes. No, really. And the, the, like, it, you know, in a hip hop dance, you know, Korea is like the top. You know, and then when you look at like the B-boys and the B-girls and all that, you know, you look at a lot of, you know, Asian, you know, folks like Japanese folks like, you know, Korean, Korea and Japan like are just like the epic, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, you know, when it comes to that. But yeah, if you're talking about, um, well, also too, Qbert. But Cuba plays all types of Cuba yeah. plays all types of music. It's not just not just hip hop. Well, Cuba's more like ele- electronic. Definitely. But I but I still put Cuba in the hip hop. Mm. You I mean, know, space for as me. A DJ, yeah. that that's straight hip hop. Yeah. yeah. As a DJ, that's just straight yeah. hip hop. Yeah. Care how anybody tried to flip it? This DJ is it started with hip hop and it's going to end with hip hop. Yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, you know, um, if I may interject as well, I don't. I'm not trying to interrupt what you're saying. Yeah. So uh, background on her and I is that um. When we met, I wanted to kind of share with her all the the history with hip hop mm. and black people in America mm. and also in Africa what it, what what music has done for us mm. and how it's moved with us. Mm-hmm. And then I was really interested in working with her because you know, as being in a a, a young lady who favors R and B, when it comes to what we do with that, like if you think of one person in particular who's Asian. Um, people will automatically say Janae Eco, but they but they know like she's uh, also black though. She's also yeah, black. you know yeah. she you know it's half and half. But we don't really have anyone that we actually take serious. But if you listen to K-pop or if you yeah. listen to the they Korean music, have, yeah, have K-pop is huge. They have it on on, they have on, it on yeah, and the kids love K-pop. Yeah. Yes, yes, and sometimes they're doing this R and B better than us. I'm sorry, yeah. I've been hearing some of this stuff, and I'm like, how did they get those chords like that? And I try to take it's it. It's a thing. It's a thing. And, you know, the, I love to see our culture be spread out and, and, and how it's a, adopted to other people. And then, you know, they put their touches on it. It's beautiful. Mm. But the best thing that I think that's great for these, you know, two young ladies to do um, as vocalists, because she's a vocalist as well, is to be that role model for the person that's just like you that's coming up mm. and also trust in the process because the process is always going to have the best results. Mm. It's always, it's never going to let you down at the end of the day. And when it comes to having your music grow with you in hip hop, mm-hmm. we're going to see that and appreciate it as well. Mm. That's just so tell us like, you do you consider yourself a Detroiter? I do. You do. Okay. So in, in Detroit, um, do you identify with like this Detroit sound? No. Okay. So uh, what do what do you identify with? Um I would say it's hard to say that because mm. I 
when I first started working with Lyric, mm-hmm. our music has changed so much. Yeah. Uh, we really try to play with as many genres as possible. Okay. Um, because of what I look like um, and, you know, my background, I really wanted to change people's mindsets on what an Asian American can make. Mm. And so through that, we have really discovered a lot of genres and a lot of types of music that we I would have otherwise never tried to touch because mm. of this goal that I've been trying to reach. Okay. Uh, so we do uh, Latin music. We have reggaeton. We have uh, boom bap. We have R&B. We have house. We have uh new age sounds that we're trying to experiment with. So we are still experimenting and discovering ourselves as artists, mm. but I can't put myself in a box because I, I don't like being in a box. Okay. Um, I like to try to experiment as much as I can because I grew up um, actually not really listening to a lot of hip hop. Mm-hmm. I grew up listening to all different types of music. Um, a lot of the greats like Michael Jackson, Stevie Wonder, uh, Whitney Houston, listen to a lot of that as well as a lot of Vietnamese music and so growing up my taste was kind of um, sheltered um, from what my parents would teach me Uh, but once I got older that's when I started discovering hip-hop and R&B and house and all these other different types of music and through that I'm like I learned how much creativity and love there is in this world and I just wanted to implement as much of that as I can in my own music. Now are you um, implementing any of your Vietnamese music into what you do? Uh, I am working on finding an area where it fits in Mm -hmm. uh, because it is so Vietnam right now where they are in music is very outdated because of how their government is. Mm. Uh, And just now are they starting to reach new heights? Um, Recently they've had their first female rapper mm. uh, named Sue Boy. Okay. Uh, which I discovered. And she's, oh my God, you guys should look her up. She's an amazing you, Vietnamese rapper. How do you spell her name? Um, S-U-B-O-I. Uh, she was discovered when she uh, rapped for Obama when he first oh, came wow. to Vietnam. Okay. And she's very controversial because of what she speaks about. Um, and I love it because, you know, hip hop has always been about rebellion and speaking your truth and yeah. sharing that with people. Um, and that's what's happening in Vietnam right now. Their government is in a very shaky situation. Mm. Um, they're trying, they're still having the fight against, you know, communism and democracy. They're still having mm. that debate right now. And she is bringing out, you know, subject matter that women shouldn't speak about mm. in Vietnam. Uh, she's talking about, you know, the the government. She's talk, speaking out about being a woman and speaking out about the challenges um, that she has to face every day. And um, the government's really trying to shut her down right now. Mm. So just now, are you starting to see hip-hop spread over to that region of the world? And okay. it's, kind of, it's really beautiful to me seeing that because that's just the start of a whole revolution that I believe that's going to start soon. What part of um, Vietnam is your family from? Uh, I'm from Ho Chi Minh City. So I'm from kind of like the middle south area. Mm. And that's interesting because, you know, the U.S. was in Vietnam for way too long. Yeah. 
and causing all types of um, trashy disruption. And my dad was in Vietnam, like, pretty much, He I think he did, like, four years there, which is, like, a long freaking time. Mm-hmm. And um, he taught um, French yeah. there. And um, it's really interesting. He uh, suffered from uh, PTSD, mm. like, severe. And um, I remember this, this film, Apocalypse Now, which was totally about his platoon and things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He would, um, you know, like have these, these fits or bouts of, um, you know, rage or yeah. this type of thing. And, uh, we would watch this film and he would say, you know, watch this, this is reality. This is the thing. And so growing up, wow. my only understanding of Vietnam was through, you know, seeing his trauma from mm-hmm. what, the Americans did in Vietnam mm-hmm. and then meeting other folks that were like half black and half Vietnamese or wow. some yes. th- something like that yes. and listening to their stories about being orphaned over there. Cause there's like a huge, you know, population of um, children or, you know, they're grown now, but um, people who had, you know, been children who had just like, been abandoned because of you know everything that goes into that yeah and so um yeah so there's some books about that and there are some films about that and so um i appreciate when i meet a lot of vietnamese younger people you know um who you know can give some insight into you know vietnamese culture that doesn't have anything to do with like America being imperials, you know what I mean, in another land, but like being able to understand Vietnamese culture and being able to listen and learn about Vietnamese culture mm-hmm. from from Vietnamese perspective, not from the perspective of like somebody visiting Vietnam. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, of course. So that's super dope. So I'm looking forward to when you do find a way to um, bring your Vietnamese culture into your music because I feel like that could be, you know, a learning point and also, you know, a way to get other people to um, step up, if you will, or like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, step into, you know, um, appreciating the culture as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, um, I'm excited for that journey and... Uh... I'm constantly trying to find new ways, especially listening to K-pop and mm. um, J-pop and mm-hmm. this new Vietnamese artist. It's giving me new ideas on how to implement it properly. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's a tra- trial and error. Okay, okay. Right now. Well, I'm excited that you're going to be with us um, next week. This will be our first time. You know, we've been talking on texting and stuff but i'm you know it's really an honor to meet you in person and i'm really looking forward to you know this show next week and you know hopefully you know getting you on more bookings and and doing more shows and stuff you know mm-hmm. and doing more work together so i know you guys were out and you know i'm gonna let you go and do your thing but before you go i wanted to just um have folks be able to you know go to all the places that they can go to you know connect with you so where is that uh 
I usually DJ at Marble Bar mm. uh, in Detroit about once a month at an event that we collaborate with um, called House Party. Okay. And then uh, I usually DJ a lot in the suburbs. Okay. Um, so I DJ at bars such as uh, Bar Louie, Johnny Black's, Dooley's. Um, and it's just a good way if you guys want to come out and just hang out with us. Or of just, course. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, you guys mm-hmm. are definitely welcome to um, see what we're about or whenever we have uh, an event at Marble Bar. Uh, sorry, Marble Bar. Um, you can go ahead and find that on our social media. Uh, we're also trying to branch out at other clubs right now in Detroit. Okay. Uh, so we'll be doing um, Club Fame soon in Hamtramck. Okay. And um, a few other spots we're looking at right now. Okay. That's what's up. And then um, what's all your social media and ways people can contact you to hire you? Yeah, you can, uh, you can find me at uh, t- at Music on Instagram. And it's going to be spelled T-A-M-A-E mm-hmm. Music. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually the main way you can find me. My email's on there. My number's on there. You can DM me, whatever the reason is. That's the main source. Okay. Yeah. And what about you? Mine would be at Lyric Lesson. Lesson is my last name. So L-Y-R-I-C, then L-E-S-O-N. And that's going to be on Instagram, or you can type in that at gmail.com. Okay. Or anything on any social media platform is all Lyric Lesson. Okay. And then we'll see you next week at the show. Mm-hmm. Right, um, that's going to be at Kobo, and um, I'm really excited about that. And that's going to be on the 21st, but the conference is actually the 20th through the 22nd, and it's the immigration conference. And we're very excited, and we're also excited that Tazine is going to join us in the Fuki as well for that same show, and Be Girl Mama from Hardcore Detroit. And we're very excited that we're going to be um, listening to and uplifting. Um, first and second generation folks that have migrated here from their homelands mm-hmm. to share um, your culture with us. And so you've been listening to the Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. And remember, we also have our Detroit is different festival that's going to take place on October the 25th through the 27th. But remember, you're going to come to I'm the rapper, she's the DJ on October the 26th. And it's all going to happen at the Andy Arts. And you got to get your tickets. Who's like, the DJ? Get your tickets. Who's the DJ? It's going to be me. Okay, cool. Yeah, so <laughs> DJ Peace Pipe, I'll be DJing uh, that evening. So it's going to be super cool. And we look forward to seeing you. And keep listening on Detroit is Different. Remember, you can listen on all streaming platforms and also go to DetroitIsDifferent.net. And Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all things Detroit is different. Piper Carter Podcast. See you next week. Peace. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Join us October 24th through October 27th at the Andy Arts, 3000 Finkel Avenue, Detroit, Michigan, at the inaugural Detroit is Different Festival. The collage of sound, sight, taste, feel, and scent of Detroit from all walks of life. Join Piper Carter, Frida Sampson, Unicorns Are Real, Josh Adams, The New Kids, Group Text, Jennifer Crawford, Care Michigan, 
Audra Carson, My Natural Hair, Cornbread and Caviar, Kari Frazier, Sterling Tolls, Boldy James, and more artists. The Detroit is Different Festival provides you the rare opportunity to witness, experience, and familiarize yourself with the diverse subcultures that make Detroit different. Experience this all for 50 bucks. Visit www.detroitisdifferent.com and get your tickets today.